Lauren and RJ, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a Friday, our final day before we break for Christmas around here. And uh, for our show, the final day before we break for the new year, because we'll all be gone next week. Uh, But uh, fret not, uh, the primetime gang will be in here for us. Um, The Blue and Hacker Company will be doing their thing before that. So we'll have a loaded up schedule for you all next week including uh, the Gator Bowl game will be on our AM, so we're looking forward to that as well. I get to call that, so I'm certainly excited about that. So we're excited about a week and excited about heading to Tampa for a big football game that I hope the quarterback plays in. Hayes Carline has the day off today. Uh, Frank Frangi, Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders with you. I'm going to get to Trevor in a second. Trevor's always big news around here, the Willie, won't he? Uh, we'll get to some thoughts about that coming up on the program today, all kind of stuff we will get to. But massive news out of Tallahassee. The biggest potential college football news to come through, gosh, in a really long time involving the, the legal world. Ira Chauffel, who's so good with Warchant.com, will join us on the program in about an hour and 15 minutes. And I'm going to ask him an awful lot of questions about the details of this. But you probably know by now, Florida State's Board of Trustees voted unanimously today to sue the ACC to challenge the legality of the league's grant of rights and its $130 million withdrawal fee. Uh, which obviously is a necessary first step as the school tries to leave the ACC. Frangie and uh, Brooks in here with you. Oh, boy, this was supposed to be a happy, calm, Merry Christmas show, play a little Christmas music, talk about Trevor. We'll still do all that. Blockbuster story coming out of Tallahassee, though. But I don't think it surprises anyone based off of the fact that we knew they were having the meeting today and the fact that for a while now we know FSU has been super frustrated with the ACC. The snub being left out of the college football playoff, I think, accelerated this lawsuit. Everything I read seems like it's not going to be resolved for quite some time, like potentially years, which is really awkward, I think, for FSU to then play in the ACC for the next couple of years with all of the tension and the fact that they really want to leave. I wonder, Frank, if we'll see any other schools join the lawsuit. I think that's a, a pending question. And I just think at the end of the day, the amount of money that they would have had to spend, the over $500 million, it makes sense that they're at least going to try and get out of it yeah. through the legal process. Yeah, I'll say this. Even to your question about others joining the lawsuit, at the very least, there will be significant precedent. Uh, based on where the lawsuit goes. Mm-hmm. And if they win the lawsuit in any way, shape, or form, then others will jump on board like they're like they're jumping off the Titanic. You know, so so the so that is true. So maybe so possibly some will become partners a party to the lawsuit. You're right, that could happen. But beyond that, the possibility of of uh this becoming precedent that changes listen, college football has the the landscape has changed exponentially anyway, mm-hmm. um, but my good, this is a big, big story in college football, and if you follow college football and care about college football, and obviously this radio station, uh, we've, caught, we've since we lit the lamp in April of 07, we've, we've talked as much college football as anybody anywhere. This is a gigantic, gigantic story, and this is step one. You know what, Lauren, I'm not, I say not surprised. You said, you said we shouldn't be surprised. I agree with that. 
But it's still – I mean, they're, they're suing the ACC to get out of this thing. Everybody wondered if they would really do that because the grant of rights is so um, – uh, so Airtight. Un- so airtight, they say. They say. So, so we're about to find out. This is a – and which schools in the ACC will hold them to it? See, here's the deal. Will Clemson, Pitt, NC State, all, North Carolina, all these other guys that want it out, will they hold them to it or will they jump on – that's the storyline is what – they say the ACC will hold them to it. Well, who? who is, the ACC is a membership of, what is it, 14 schools? There's a six, what, where are they at now? I can't keep track. Currently, I think they're 14, 14. and they're increasing. Yeah, they're, they're who are they? I'm so, so lost on all that. But they're 14 schools. Right, right now, there's 14 schools. So the question, and I guess Notre Dame, I'm wondering if Notre Dame gets a vote in this. I don't think they do. Because they're, they're, they're not in it in football. Right. So, I don't think that they so, get a so vote. So of the 14 schools in the conference. The ACC is adding Cal, Stanford, and SMU. That's right. But, so, but of the 14 right now that are voted, the, the 14 voting members right now that will vote on this, I, I imagine maybe Cal, Stanford, and SMU have a vote too. But how many will – now Cal, Stanford, and SMU will vote against FSU. They just got here. They I don't want think, to see the party explode right now. I would think the majority votes against FSU also because where are they going to go? Yeah, yeah. The Big Ten has already expanded. The SEC has already expanded. And the other option is the Big 12, and the yeah. ACC makes more but, money but, than the Big but 12. Make no mistake about this. There's Based on what the television networks will do, there's no reason to stop at 14 or 16. I could see 24-team SECs and 24-team Big Tens if it meant more. It's all about the money. It's just a big money grab. That's all it is. It's one big money grab. Yep. And, and, again, if a – if the if the overall dollars paid you more per school to have twenty than to sixty, so we'll see. So, but it's a major story. Iris Schofield will try to uh, peel back some of the layers for us at four twenty. He does a great job. He'll join us on the program there. A lot to talk about today. We're we're busy today. Uh, my buddy T.J. Reeves will join me at three forty. He is the longtime sideline um, analyst, uh, the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Bucks. We've been friends for a long time in this business. Uh, T.J. does a terrific job. He'll be here at three forty. I want to talk all about the Bucks. Who are the Bucks? Are they the team that? Couldn't get out of their own way to start the season? Are they the team that's won three in a row and plays with some confidence and has a quarterback playing as well as anybody in the league right now? Are they somewhere in between? How confident? You know what else I wonder? Anyone going to the game? I mean, it's 4 o'clock on Christmas Eve. I wonder if anyone's going. It's a good question. I would expect there to be a decent crowd because, yeah, I mean, your it, team has is in the thick of it in first place in the division. I mean, it, that's how at least yeah, it would be and, here. And you're not working the next day. Not working I mean, the I mean, next so, day so most, maybe that for means, most people, yeah. Does not working the next day mean a big crowd or does celebrating Christmas – Santa's coming that night. I mean, you got to get home for – you need milk and cookies. I mean, you'll be you home by 8 p.m. Yeah, yeah, I will actually – But I, I would hope certainly more there's more Jaguars fans than, than Bucks fans, obviously. that's My just my, uh, my family, my wife's family has a gigantic Christmas Eve soiree in Tampa, mm-hmm. and so we'll be there. So you didn't I, get the game moved up to 1 p.m. I've for tried, that I've tried, I've <laughs> tried. And uh, so – but I think I'll get to I'll get the R soiree, which is in Brandon, which is East Hillsborough County, which is about 30 minutes from the stadium. So I'm guessing, uh, but you're right. But what you said, I'm guessing I'll be there by nine, nine fifteen. I told my brother-in-law. So, so everybody else can feel the same way. They're home. They're home before Santa. Santa yes. usually. Come, I heard Santa hits Tampa late. Okay. So, so I think Santa. I mean, uh, lay the, leave the milk and cookies. They get actually soggier in Tampa than they do other places. That's just what I'm told. So, so, so you have a little more time because it's in Tampa. So, um, but anyway, so, uh, but yeah, we'll talk a little bit. I want to talk to TJ about that. Uh, my buddy Edgar Thompson's going to join us. Uh, Edgar is a. Uh, as good a Florida beat writer as there is, he works for the Orlando Sentinel. Uh, he's such a good guy. He's on vacation in Virginia playing golf with some friends today, but he's going to join us afterwards. What is the objective media? St- this is a guy that 
Edgar's a really good guy and a really good reporter. But he's not like all of us who are Gator people covering – you know what I mean? We're Gator people covering Gators. So we're, we're, we're biased. Whether yeah. you want to be biased or not, we're sure. Gator people covering the Gators. So I want to ask Edgar, what, Edgar, what's the what, – what do you think? Is Billy Napier dead in the water? Uh, can he resuscitate this thing? What's the, what, what's the word on the inside? And uh, so Edgar's going to join us at 5 o'clock. By the and, way, going back to the Tampa question, or as far as the attendance goes, in the NFL this season, the Jaguars are 17th in the league with a little over 69,000 in right. average attendance. Yeah. Tampa Bay is 28th in the league, averaging 63,600. So they haven't drawn well. No. They haven't drawn well. They haven't drawn – I didn't even – well, that's what I'm going to ask. So they haven't drawn well at all. Not so, so far this season. Yeah, so, so, so we'll certainly talk about it. So Edgar Thompson at 5 o'clock. And then my, Bucky Brooks is one of the best football analysts you'll ever be around. He's, you hear him on our, our Jaguar broadcast here on the radio station. He also does a lot of work with the NFL Network. He's on the Colin Cowherd Show. He's on Fox Sports Radio. He's about everywhere. He is flying to Tampa today. Um, but I'm going to try and grab him as soon as he gets off that plane at 5 o'clock. So about 5.20, we hope to have Bucky. Bucky's kind of up in the air a little bit, uh, pun intended. Uh, but we hope to have him about 5.20. So our schedule today, T.J. Reeves at 3.40, uh, the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Irish Chauffel from Warchant.com covers the, the Knowles better than anybody to talk about this uh, this lawsuit that FSU's board of trustees has, has, has brought against the ACC. Edgar Thompson at 5 o'clock today to talk Gators and Really, what is the situation with Billy Napier? What do they expect? And, of course, Bucky Brooks at 520, as long as the plane lands on time uh, to talk Jags. If not, Bucky will join us in the future. So I want people I want people on, on this show to hear Bucky because he's so good and he does such a good job breaking it down. No Pete Prisco today. Pete's got the Christmas weekend off. Uh, no Hayes Carlion. Uh, he starts his vacation today, so the rest is uh, here in place. So a lot of stuff to talk about, and we're excited about it. You, have you got your Christmas shopping done? No, no. Okay. I'll finish have you, tomorrow. Have you begun it? Yes, I began it a, a while back. I don't have that much to purchase. But I greatly respect people yeah. that haven't don't have it done yet. I, 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 There's I, something to the thrill of the yeah, last minute uh, shopping, uh, right? I, I like, who wants to be done months in advance? Yeah, I finished mine today. Oh, you're ahead of me then. That's because we got to get. I'm getting on the road tomorrow. Okay, that's a valid. So, point. so, we're so this might be the earliest you've ever finished. Well, Amber and McKenzie are coming over tonight, and then uh, then Suzanne and I are exchanging later tonight. Okay, this is the earliest. Yeah, you had to be this, done. This, this you had a life, deadline. This in my life is the earliest. That's this, this, good. This by far, it's the earliest. Maybe, maybe. That'll be a trend. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it I won't be count, for me. I, like, I, w- like I wouldn't I said, count I like on that. Minute. I wouldn't count on that. I wouldn't. So, so there. Right, so <laughs> By the way, UNF's beating Georgia right now in men's basketball 10 to 8. Okay. And then we'll follow Florida Grambling State. That one tips off at 4 o'clock. Wouldn't it be great if UNF could get that win? That would be great. Because, you, you know, they played FSU, and you said you thought they had a chance to win. And I said, just because FSU had been playing so poorly. And I said, no, nah, they can't beat them. Yeah. And then you said, you yes. Right. And you said, yes, you were right, and I was wrong. But really, they played them closer as you thought they would than I thought they would. I mean, I, I expected 30, 40 points. They really hung. In, now, look, you're going to run out of gas in that game. Absolutely. But they played closer than I thought they would. They, they, I thought UNF hung around with the Knowles. They, they pulled away at the end. But I thought they, they were in that game for a while. They, I mean, they, they were in that game for a while. Look. Helps when you can shoot. JU just played the best team in the country. And for about, for about 15 minutes of that first, they were in the game. And so Jimmy Shelton was there, by the, the way. He, he did go up. So, but that's the best team in the country now. Yes. That's the best team in the country. Yes. And they just took down Arizona. Yeah, and and so you hung around. So so our the A Sun teams are not going to be able to beat those teams very often. That's just resources and dollars. It's not even fair to expect it. It's just not going to happen very often until you have one of the magical teams like Gulf Coast had that year. But it's not going to happen very often. But our the two teams from here played well, so they hung around. So we'll, we'll talk. Mm-hmm. If we get into the basketball season, there'll be more of that coming up. All right, a lot of things to talk about. Let's talk Trevor. 
practice, what that means. He did practice today. What are our expectations for Trevor Lawrence? What are our expectations for the Jaguars as they go to Tampa? That all comes up on the program today. T.J. Reeves at 3.40 to talk Tampa Bay. So we'll, we'll keep it on pro football this week, this hour. Remember, the gigantic news out of Tallahassee. We'll talk all about that in the second hour of the program, including our visit with Iris Chauffel from Warchant.com at 4.20. lot to do on this uh, final day on this Friday. We're glad you're with us. Big Chief Tire, always our Friday sponsor. Uh, this is 1010XL, and it's 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. I mean, obviously still in, but uh, part of protocol um, and where he's at in the stages uh, is he can uh, he can practice today. Um, that still doesn't mean he's cleared, you know, but part of it is to actually go through a, a, a practice and, the, you know, the stress and all that kind of stuff on him. So um, he'll be out there today and, and going, going through it. Back to more of Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Family owned since 1961. It's Big Chief Tire. Once again, choirs will be singing. You just heard the comments of Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson on his quarterback Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor is still in the concussion protocol but was able to practice some today. He has to be cleared in order to travel with the team. Tampa, but that at least is good news and trending in the right direction. We've got Frank's Christmas playlist today, a repeat of one of the songs from yesterday, The Eagles. Oh, we played this yesterday? Did you play? I didn't know it that. was one of my choices, but it was right, honestly, it was right when we had the Scholar Athlete in, I didn't, so we didn't really oh, get to I didn't hear know. it. I tried not to, I tried, no, tried you're not fine. To, I tried not to repeat any. I think that means that I picked an excellent you did, song. Yeah, you actually picked two or three that I would have played. Oh, okay. Little St. Nick I would have played. Okay. I did not know you played this, my bad. So. Well, like I said, we, it was right when we had Caleb Williams in, so it's very difficult to to listen to the song and this is talk to the Scholar song. Athlete. It is. This it is, is a, a fantastic this is a, song. This is one of the best. No, I'm a Don Henley's voice. Mm-hmm. I know I'm a Glenn Fry guy more than a Henley guy, but Henley's voice is so good. I mean, both. Of, I mean, there's a reason we're one of the great rock bands of all time because Absolutely. they're both great. So, okay. I saw Don Felder is coming to the Florida Theater. Yep, angry Don. Angry. I wonder if he's still mad. Don Felder. I told you. I told you that the, the, that was one of the great fallouts of all time. I told you the story. Mm-hmm. Don Felder wrote Hotel California mm-hmm. and wasn't allowed. You know, so it wasn't allowed was to sing it. Sing it yeah. Yeah. So, so there's interesting. So there you go. The, all bands seem to have those riffs. All right. Speaking of music, we have a pair of tickets to JJ Gray's Blackwater Soul Review at the Amp in St. Augustine Sunday, May 26th. Be caller number three right now. It's 641-1010. Call number three. You will win the pair of tickets to go see JJ Gray. I got to interview him once uh, many years ago now. I remember. He is a fantastic guy and such a fantastic artist as well. The tickets are available on Ticketmaster.com if you don't win them. By the way, speaking of uh, Christmas, 34 years ago tomorrow, we had the freak snowstorm in Jacksonville. Is that right? Yep. December 23rd, 1989. I remember it. I remember where I was. I, I, I yeah. do too. We are coming back from North Carolina, actually, yeah, and yeah. couldn't believe it was snowing here. Yeah, I, I, re- I remember it very well. It was the, uh, and we had it, uh, we used to have this thing, my big thing at my mom's on Christmas Eve, and uh, that was coming, we were trying to get ready for it. it was, Did uh, you have to snow- shovel snow? We didn't, we didn't do that, <laughs> but, but getting ready for the, we used to, the big Christmas Eve was at my mom's all the time. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was a big deal. And so I can, I can remember very well that, that, that stretch, that stretch of my life. All right, so let's talk more about Trevor Lawrence. Like yeah. I said, he was able to practice, but he still hasn't cleared concussion protocol. But it, it does seem like, Frank, this was a, a really big step in the right direction. Yeah, nobody knows. And if anybody tells you they know whether he's going to play or not, they're wrong because he doesn't know. And I don't think Doug knows, and I don't think the doctors know. And he's got to pass a test tomorrow. You get tested once a day. If he passes the test tomorrow, 
he gets on the plane and heads to Tampa and plays against the Bucks. If he doesn't, he doesn't get on the plane. And if he doesn't get on the plane tomorrow, he's not going to play. And so, so anybody that tells you they, they have inside, they're, they're, let me assure you, there's no inside information on whether or not Trevor's going to play in the game because nobody knows. It can change with concussions in a minute. Now, having said that nobody knows, and I'm among the many that don't know because everybody doesn't know, I now would be surprised if he didn't play. Mm-hmm. I have now gotten to the point that it would surprise me if he didn't want if he didn't wind up playing in the game now, it would probably surprise me. Because he was able to practice today and, and so that is a really good sign. I think this is a guy, Frank, who we've seen this is his third injury this season and he's played after the first two. So it really probably made most people think, okay, as long as he clears concussion protocol, you know that Trevor's not gonna say hey, um, I don't know if I can play. Like, you know he's a warrior and he's absolutely going to play. So I would expect him to play as well. Yeah. And, and, I, and I will tell you that, uh, that if he plays, I, I expect the Jaguars to win the game. If, if, he, if he plays, I expect the Jaguars. The, look, the Bucks have won three in a row. They have a good football team. Todd right. Bowles is a good coach. Baker Mayfield's playing at a great level. But I, I don't sit here and think a team that beat the, the Panthers and the Falcons and went on the road and played very well against a, a, a surging Green Bay team uh, is still better than this team. I think the three teams the Jags have lost to in succession, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Baltimore, in my opinion, have better football teams than the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, I'll say that, and they'll go lose 31-10, and I'll look like an idiot, but it is my opinion. I picked them to win in our picks yesterday, and I think they're going to win the game. I will say it again. I've said this all along, and I will stand by this. I will stand by it. I'll stand by it. I'll stand by it. This is the biggest game since Doug Peterson has been here. This is the biggest game since Trevor Lawrence has been a quarterback here. They say, wait a minute. They won a playoff game last year. Well, I, but, but this is the next year. Uh, the, you can't get good until you start stacking those kind of seasons together. So it's now bigger than the time you did it before, other than had you won the Super Bowl. And – this is the I, – I, I will scream this into the mic. If you win this game, if you win this game, I'm confident, more than confident they're beating the Panthers next week. So if you win this game, you're now getting to 10 wins. And now you're getting to 10-6 and six with one game left. And the, you're 10-6, regardless of what the Colts and the Texans do in these two weeks. They're going to play each other mm-hmm. in, week, in the last game. So when they play each other, one of them's going to one of them's going to seven losses. I can guarantee you one thing: one of those teams is going to get to seven losses because mm-hmm. they got to play each other. Right. So, so if you win the next two, you can go to Nashville, and that one's not going to be easy. I, the, that no, one's but usually not. teams that are eliminated from postseason contention, which is really both the Panthers and then the Titans, those games in the very last week of the NFL, it wouldn't surprise me if the Jaguars ran away with that one. But you know what? You're right. But it also wouldn't surprise me if it was the Colts coming to Jacksonville two years ago. When the, when the Jags were a mess and interim coach in Trevor's first year and all the Colts had to do is take care of business and the Jags won the game and they ruined the world, got coaches fired, got yeah. quarterbacks cut, got they, they blew up the whole world for the Indianapolis Colts. That's why, to your point again, Sunday's so important Yeah, because the Jaguars can win the division without beating the Titans in the Correct. final game and the Titans can't spoil anything. Correct. And that Correct. is why I, one of the other reasons. I'm telling you, this is a real – I'm telling you, folks, I know it's Christmas Eve and, and it's a, this is a this is a big game, man. This is a it, it did when the season started. When, I say when the season started, when the schedule came out, and then even when the season started, 
you didn't look at this game as a big deal. It's no. like, it's 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 Christmas Eve, and by then you'll know if you're in or not. And it's the NFC, and the and Bucks, nobody had faith the, in Baker Mayfield. And the Bucks aren't any good, yeah. and so no one, no one, no this nobody looked at this as a circle your calendar. Oh my God, game. But the but that's what the NFL does. The NFL changes everything up on you, and this team wins when they're supposed to lose, and lose when they're supposed to win. And Baker Mayfield's playing well, and all of a sudden they're hot, and all of a sudden you're struggling, and all of a sudden the Colts are better than you thought, and Gardner Minshew's playing well, and the Texans are still. Oh my God! All of a sudden now, now you got to win the game, and, and and it's a. I never thought in July, August, September, looking at the schedule, this would be a game you needed to win, and now it is. And the problem is the other team needs it just as bad. Correct. That's the, and has momentum. And and right, both teams are on the complete opposite trajectory. Three yeah. losses for the Jags, three wins yeah. for the Bucks. Uh. One team is very confident. One yeah. team is a, a lot healthier as well. But the Bucks have, in, in looking at the matchup, the Bucks have given up the second most passing yards in all of the league behind the Chargers. So if Trevor Lawrence plays, even in my mind, if C.J. Beathard plays, you've got to attack. And I know you're down Christian Kirk. You're I, not going to have Zay Jones. You. But you've you. got to attack them through the air because the Bucks secondary is their biggest weakness. So, and, and correct, here's the other thing too, Lauren. They don't have that great edge. That Every time the Jags line up, there's a damn edge you can't block. They, they, they've, they've run into more defensive fronts. It's weird. The, the, the season plays out in a weird way. They've caught a lot of breaks with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks getting hurt. Quarterbacks. But the um, the defensive lines they've run into, almost every week, it's a great defensive front, and it's hard to have great defensive fronts. Vita Vey is a really good player, the nose guard. He will dominate the middle. They're going to have to double team him. He's he's a big physical two gap guy. It's going to be hard to buy. He's a really good player, but their edges are just okay. Their pass rush is just okay. So finally, you play a team where I don't know if you're going to run block them as well. The two linebackers are pretty good, but. You, and found, you can't run block anyway. Yeah, right. And you're not a good run blocking, correct. But but I think Trevor's gonna Trevor or CJ Beathard, but hopefully it's Trevor, is gonna have some time. Now you're right, he's down some guys. Uh if Zay Jones doesn't play, and Doug Doug int- in, intimated today in his presser that it's not likely. He That's didn't correct. say that he said yeah. he'd be he'd I'm be, pretty sure he he will not play. Yeah, he and he said so that means Christian Kirk and Zay Jones are down. You haven't had that. You haven't had that yet. And so uh so no, that, you have not. that means to your point yesterday, a lot of balls to the backs, uh Awful lot of balls to, to Evan Ingram. Boy, Calvin Ridley's got to play. Calvin, Calvin Ridley, listen, we've waited and waited and waited. We, the, Calvin had all the expectations. He was talking about a 1,400-yard year, and we all – well, obviously none of that played out. It, obviously obviously it, nothing like that happened. But I will tell you, Calvin, if you're, if you're going to play big in a – because Calvin Ridley's still a damn good player. If you're going to play big in a big game, boy, boy, this is the one. This yeah. is, I mean, this is really the one. My message to the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, anybody who has to catch a ball, catch the ball. Do not drop it in a game like this because that's what kills your quarterback. I mean, obviously the sacks kill him, but d- drop passes have really hurt this offense. And on the other side, as you're talking about defensive lines, that's why I think the Jaguars missed the opportunity to go get one more edge guy because that is what the league is all about. The quarterback and the edge guys that are coming at the opposing quarterback. And the Jaguars just don't quite have someone. They have Josh Allen, and that he's been good, but they yeah. don't have someone that every single play the other team has to be concerned about. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So we'll see what happens. But, but I, I, there's so many thoughts about this game. I can't, I can't scream it into the mic enough how critical this game, winning this game is. If you lose this, think about this for a second. I, and, again, I'm convinced. Hayes is not as convinced as I am. I'm convinced the Colts are going to beat the Falcons. I don't think you're convinced either. But I'm, I, no, I, I picked the Falcons. Yeah, I, I think the Colts are going to beat the Falcons. So, and I hope, I hope you guys are right and I'm wrong. But if they do, you realize after all this, after winning seven of eight and being in command of the division, 
you could come out of this thing Sunday night in second place and not in the playoff? Mm-hmm. Do you realize that? You, yep. could, you could come out of this thing Sunday night in second place and not in the top seven. Because the AFC is so jumbled, yeah. as we've documented throughout uh, the season. Yeah, there's a lot of teams lumped in there together. Yeah, and there's it, there's obviously still optimism because, like we've talked about, the final two games, the Jaguars or the Panthers and the Titans, neither team is close to a winning record. But this game, I do think, determines your playoff future as far as the momentum for the rest of your season. Yeah, so so we'll see. So uh, uh, what, what a game it's going to be. Big game. Again, I'm very, I'll ask TJ when he joins me in just a second, but I'm very – very interested to see where the where where the crowd what the crowds like, um, how how energized they are. I mean, again, I'm trying to think what a Christmas Eve crowd normally is like. But again, you said it. No one's working the next day, and if, if you had you 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 if you have something big, you've you've scheduled around it by now or not. Last year, you guys had the Thursday night game in New York, so ahead of Christmas, so you didn't have to play on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah. What was the crowd like then? And I know it was rainy. Not miserably okay. rainy. Rainy, cold. It, it won't be like that know. in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, I I can tell you this. Uh, Suzanne came with me that game, and, mm-hmm. and two of our friends came, and they watched the entire game in the club. They literally, 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 <laughs> literally never. I'm telling you how cold and wet it was. Literally never went outside to that. I mean, that that tells you how 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 what it was like. Well, Sunday's weather as of now uh, looks like a high of 76, low of 64, so oh, fairly beautiful. warm. Beautiful. And I don't see precipitation at this point in time. All right, we'll see. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, let's uh, let's get the Tampa side of this thing. My friend T.J. Reeves is the sideline uh, reporter uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He joins uh, me after this. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. Welcome back to the program. Frank Frangie with you as we continue on on this Friday. Get set for Christmas. My buddy TJ Reeves has been the sideline reporter for the Bucks. I think when Spurrier was throwing to J.K. McKay. Were you, were you, were you on the sideline? <laughs> How are you? What a greeting. Are you trying to make me out to be ancient, big man? What are you doing? How are you, TJ? Great to have you on. You ready for Christmas? Did you shop? Uh, I think so. Uh, you and I have not commiserated off the year very much, but I now have the teenage twin daughters. So right. we're officially in the teenage years, and their list, it might be simpler to buy them each an automobile right. at this point. So we are ready. We are ready, and who knew? I mean, you guys were in the playoffs last year as a as a division winner. The Bucks were in the playoffs last year right. as a division winner. But who knew we would be talking Christmas weekend that the relevance of Jacksonville at Tampa Bay would be what it is? But it's huge for both teams, Frank. There's no doubt. And TJ, I was just saying this on the show that it's the biggest game in Doug Peterson's tenure, his short tenure here, because suddenly a team we were way the Jags were won seven out of eight, got to eight and three, and were very well positioned. At the time, the Bucks were four and seven and not so well positioned. And all of a sudden, you look up and the Bucks are hot as fire, and the Jags can't win a game. So all of a sudden, this thing means everything. So you're exactly right. Tell me about the Bucks. How did they listen? They've played very well against Carolina and Atlanta, who may or may not be great teams. But Green Bay's pretty good, and you had to go up there. And Baker Mayfield lit it up. What's turned the tide, TJ, for Tampa Bay, and why they're playing so much better? Boy, if we had that answer, we would bottle it, sell it, and retire, would we not? Yeah. But the switch has gone on. And Baker Mayfield was a big part of it last week. Um, they have obviously talented, very talented skill players, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad White. 
And Mayfield just, in, in a lot of ways, last week, he let those guys make the plays. He gave them the opportunity uh, to make some plays in that game, and they were making them in the first half, and they just played with confidence from then on. I mean, there was a key moment last week where he got sacked in the first quarter uh, deep in, in Buccaneer territory. They had stopped the Packers on a fourth and goal. He gets sacked. There's a fumble. The next play's a touchdown, and I'm looking around because there's 70,000 at Lambeau right. bundled up going crazy, and you're thinking, oh, here we go. It's only the first quarter. Right. From there on, though, he was flawless, and they were in attack mode, and he was throwing the ball down the field to Godwin, to Evans, eventually hit Rashad White with a touchdown, uh, four different touchdowns to four different receivers, great on third down. So he looked like the real deal Holyfield, like I like to say, last week, and that's why he's the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. So uh, he has played better the last couple of games than what he did in the stretch where the Bucks lost six out of seven. So his play has been key. They've been taking care of the ball. They have not been uh, careless with penalties and with turnovers and beating themselves, and that's another big factor on Sunday. Don't self-inflict for either one of these teams, Frank. It's going to be huge. You know, back to Mayfield for a second, TJ. You know, it's, and you, we've, you and I have done this a long time. There's a time when the new guy fits. I mean, he had to beat out Trask to win the job, if I remember right. And and, and then Correct. He won, and he was up and down, and and all of us. It almost the light seems like it has gone on now, moving forward for him with with Godwin and with Evans. And I mean, Godwin had the big game last week. I didn't know if he was gonna. I don't know if they, they, they those two were gonna click, and they did last week. Is that a good read that now that light has gone on, and that's kind of how this is gonna be? Well, he was really good at the beginning of the year, and you got a first year offensive coordinator in yeah. Dave Canales. Right. And then what happens? You know this. After two or three games, everybody sees your tape, sees what you're doing, they adjust. And then can you adjust to the adjustment? And that's where the Bucks began to struggle. And oh, by the way, they're playing Philadelphia, and they're playing Detroit, and they're playing Buffalo, and they're playing San Francisco. And every one of those teams that I just mentioned are right at the top or leading their division and or a Super Bowl contender. And so. They had, you know, in boxing, you know, I'm a big boxing guy. In boxing terms, the Bucks were knocked down and the ref standing over them going seven, right. eight, right. and then you're finally up at nine, and now you're back throwing punches again. And that's what we saw last week in Green Bay. This team is a dangerous team uh, off of what we saw last week because they played like a team that can be in the playoffs and do damage. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. So now what does that translate into Sunday coming back at home? We're all about to find out. What's the crowd going to be like? I mean, we're trying to figure out what Christmas Eve crowds are like anywhere. Uh, the crowd's been up and down in Tampa. What, what are your expectations? What's it, what's it going to feel I believe like? this – I think this is going to be electric. I really do because it was raring to go uh, a couple of times earlier this year for the Detroit game when they were in the creamsicle orange and you made the you made the Spurrier-J.K. McKay reference, Doug right. Williams, right, right. Leroy Selman. The, the Bucks played like the bumbling Bucks of the 80s, though, in the creamsicle orange against Detroit, and it was electric in that game. I think this really will. I mean, you've got the Christmas weekend. You've got a you've got a cross-state rival that's in playoff contention. It has been hyped up some here. I think it's going to be electric. I think it's going to be full, and I think it's going to be wild because they realize right now in this area, if you win this game, you haven't guaranteed the playoffs, but you've put yourself on the cusp of at least a wild card in the NFC playoff picture, much less – you could be in a position to win the division the following week at home with New Orleans. So I think the two wins in Atlanta and Green Bay have resuscitated this whole thing 
And I think it will be a big crowd Sunday and a loud crowd. DJ Reeves with us works the sidelines uh, for the Tampa Bay Bucks defensively. Tell me about the team. Um, is Devin White starting? Is he not starting? And and uh, watching on tape, Vita Vea is unblockable still. Um, how's the defense played in your mind? Well, and so that's the big question here. Where White could not go last week, at least that's what he said. And so the Bucks did not play him uh, last week. They've used a reserve middle linebacker a couple of times here recently. The guy next to the middle linebacker though is Levante David, and this guy's been a perennial Pro Bowler. He has been playing Frank at a phenomenal level. Double-digit tackles over and over and over again everywhere on the field. So look out for 54 uh, in red and pewter on on Saturday to make some plays on defense. Uh, and I'll tell you another guy to keep an eye on, and I know he hurt himself. He tweaked a calf today. This is big. Got a breaking news update here on the Frangie Show. Antoine news. Winfield Jr. has been tremendous oh, wow. so far this year, but he's a late add to the injury list, the safety. He tweaked a calf in the practice today. And I don't know about early Christmas gifts for you, Mr. Frangie and the Jaguars, but if, if that guy's not 100%, that's an advantage and a help to the Jaguars because he's been blowing plays up in the run game picking off passes, uh, very physical safety. So Winfield is a little gimpy. We'll see how much that affects him, if at all, come Sunday at 4 Eastern time. You know, that's interesting, TJ. I thought one of the, I thought maybe the best matchup in this game was Evan Ingram, who's going to have to catch a lot of balls with no Christian Kirk and the possibility of Nate and Jose Jones against Antoine Winfield, who I think may be one of the Bucks' best players. I, I, I thought that matchup, if they play, if he's healthy and they both play, I think Ingram versus Winfield might be the matchup of the day in that. I game. agree, yeah. and Winfield might be the MVP of the season. By yeah. the way, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, that's not an over exaggeration. He's played two or three games where he took the game over as a safety, as in sacked the quarterback for a sack fumble, as in made three or four stops in the run game in the same game. Now we're talking about as in run fifty yards down the field and stop a bomb touchdown to Chris Olave of the Saints in the same game. So he has been very impactful. And so if he slowed some, that is definitely advantage uh, Jacksonville. And the Bucks are thin at safety as well. So that's a big late injury ad here on a Friday afternoon for the Buccaneers. DJ Reeves with us talking uh, Bucks football. Let me ask, what, what, is the, what is the mindset? I mean, the Bucks, like a lot of teams, struggled for a lot of years. Tom Brady gets there. They're magnificent. They win a Super Bowl. They're good the next year. He's gone. The struggles are back a little bit. Now they've resuscitated, to your point, in the last three weeks. What's the mindset? Where's the fan base? I mean, it's, an, it's been an unusual journey because you don't usually get a Tom Brady. You know what I mean, TJ? It's been an, it's been an, oh, odd, sure. it's been an odd journey following them from afar. What's the mindset of the fan base, where that franchise is? I think, I think it's a great question, but I think for a lot of people, you got used to winning and yeah. winning a lot since 2020. I mean, you're looking at a fourth consecutive playoff appearance, which has only happened one other time in the history of the franchise. That is the Sapp, Brooks, Allstott, uh, John Lynch, Buccaneers of 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, and that culminated with the Super Bowl win when John Gruden came in. That's the last time and the only time you've made the playoffs four years in a row. So now you're on the cusp of doing that, and you've never won the division three years in a row. So now you're on the verge of doing that if you can take care of business. So I think the fans are back in on this. They have a lot of uh, hardcore following. I mean, obviously, hockey is a humongous deal in this market. And the Tampa Bay Lightning have won a ton and won the Stanley Cup twice. So they're big in this market as well. But we know this. Football is king in this state. 
The Buccaneers were here first. The Buccaneers just recently won a Super Bowl, and here we go with whatever this is going to be on Sunday. But uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very intriguing uh, here over the next couple of weeks because they have put themselves in position to basically control their own destiny for the division and a home playoff game by what they did on the road. Now, can you capitalize on it with two home games? Final thing, TJ, what are your, what's your opinion of the, from afar, not all that far, three hours <laughs> from afar from this football team. We were eight and three. We're now eight and six. Trevor Lawrence is gosh, he's played through ankle. He's played through knee. He's in the concussion protocol where hopefully he plays this week. What do you think of the Jags from down there? I think the Jags have been impressive. Uh, it obviously, make the playoffs a year ago, winning at the end, and then the incredible comeback. I loved hearing my man Frank Frangie on that all-time call for that playoff comeback against the Chargers. But that's all in the rearview mirror. Now you got expectation on you. As you mentioned, you were what eight and one, eight and two, and now you've lost some games here to suddenly put things into play again in the division with Houston right there as well. So I think it's an impressive job with a young team that's there. But, uh, you know, by the same token, the Buccaneers have got a ton, a ton of young players, a lot of rookie free agents, et cetera. So you got two hungry teams, two young, hungry teams. Uh, and let's see, this is going to be this is going to be a very intriguing game. Like I began the conversation, who had this on the radar at the beginning of the season to be this meaningful in both the AFC and the NFC playoff picture, yet it is. I'm all about it, Frank Franchi. Let's do it. I am too, TJ. I can't wait to get down there. As you know, the wife's family's from down there, so we're heading down. There we go. The whole weekend, and, man, I look forward to seeing you. It's going to be a fun day uh, at Raymond James on Sunday. TJ, thanks for joining us, man. See you soon. Love to be with you anytime you have me on. I look forward to seeing you Sunday. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody in Jacksonville, and uh, and looking forward to Sunday, buddy. All right, brother. Same to you and yours. Take care. T.J. Reeves checking in, uh, the terrific sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. More in a moment. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Back to more of a Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Friday before Christmas edition, Frank Ringy, RJ Saunders, I'm Lauren Brooks, here's Carla and has the day off. All right, I don't know who sings the song. I'll tell you a story. I really like the song. Yeah, it's a great song. So this is Mariah Carey. Okay. I, okay. It, it's if a, I had to guess, I would have guessed Mariah, okay. but I wasn't now, sure. Now, everybody sings this. Michael Buble sings yeah. it. They all sing it. My favorite version of it is Darlene Love, because I'm just a gigantic Darlene Love fan. But this is the popular when Mariah, Mariah did this, this is like this, and it plays everywhere. I'm just in department stores. It was in it, it, wherever. I mean, this is the one you hear, and uh, some people don't like it because they hear it so much. I really like the song. Oh yeah, no, and everyone loves Mariah Carey's Christmas stuff. Yeah, that goes to show you how little I've listened to her that I wasn't sure it was her well, singing. Well, I, I, I wouldn't have known. I, I don't have a good enough ear for her, but I I know because I put it in. But the uh, everyone, this is the again. If you ever it, it, again, Darlene Love doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm a gigantic Darlene Love. 
Does she sing anything else that I would know? Yeah, well, she, um, yeah, um, what's the one she sings with Springsteen? Um, not my, my boy. Is it my boy? She's legendary. She's okay. the legendary Motown act. I, I don't know the songs. But fine, fine boy? Fine, fine boy. Okay. You, I tell you, do you want to do yourself a favor? Look, one, when you have time. That's well, all the time. The, <laughs> hey, well, okay. Well, in part of that all the time. Look at her at the at her rock and roll induction. Okay. She's in the Hall of Fame. When she and Springsteen, Springsteen and the East Street Band do backup for her singing Fine Fine Boy. Uh, have you ever okay. seen it? I don't think I do have, ba- but I know the song. Do backup when that. she sings that's her song. When she sings Fine Fine she's got a great when she sings Fine Fine Boy, do Google or YouTube or whatever, yep. Springsteen and the East Street band singing background. He and he inducted her. He's, oh, he's a big okay. fan. I, I learned about her from following okay. his career. So anyway, so yeah, Makes so, sense. so so Springsteen singing backup for and the whole East Street band backup to Fine Fine Boy for you'll you'll love it. I'm oh yeah, you, absolutely. I'm it. sure I will. By the way, a couple basketball updates before we get to Florida State. Georgia is beating UNF forty five to twenty nine. That game is at halftime, and Florida and Grambling State just got things going. So we'll keep you updated with that game. It just tipped off. All right, so Florida State is now suing the ACC. Florida State, basically, in a nutshell, believes that the ACC has done a poor job of managing funds, and they don't like the direction the ACC has gone in. Long story short, that basically means the SEC and the Big Ten are paying its members more than what we're getting, and we're not happy about it. And, oh, by the way, we just got left out of the college football playoff, and we believe part of that is because the ACC is not a strong enough conference. The problem I see with this, Frank, and we were talking about this in the break, FSU signed the grant of rights two different times, once in 2012 and once in 2016. So they can't, their argument can't be, well, we weren't sure about it the first time around. You've signed it a second time. So to me, I think it's going to end up being binding. Yeah, and, 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 I, th- and I think that's the conventional thinking is that they're going to wind up getting stuck and there's nothing they can do about it. But I got a couple, and again, Ira Schofield will join us momentarily he did the best job of anybody writing about this, and he did it on Warchant.com, so that comes up in a minute. Andrea Adelson, who really covers the Knowles close, you said also wrote about it. She and David Hale wrote a, a joint a combo. piece on ESPN. And they, and yes. they have and both covered was, FSU a lot. Yes, it was really good. They detail how much would leaving the ACC cost. Florida State estimated that it would cost $572 million to leave, $429 million in media rights through 2036, $13 million in unimbursed broadcast fees, and an exit fee of $130 million, which is three times the league's yeah. total operating budget. And by suing, they're going for zero. They're trying to go from $530 million to zero. Yeah, now, $572 million to only legal fees. Yeah, so eventually eventually that it, they'll, they'll land somewhere in the middle. I think FSU would take somewhere in the middle right now. Yeah, I, and, I and to, to remind people, Texas and Oklahoma paid the Big 12 $50 million each to leave. So far fewer, right. or much fewer than FSU would have to pay. But it wasn't free. No, it was not free. So, so but, but that's still a significantly that, less than five hundred and seventy two yeah, million. Yeah. Now let me say this. Everybody says, Well, where would they go? The SEC doesn't need them. The Big Ten, they want the academics, blah, blah, blah. Know this. And, and and know this now. And I and I and I'm adamant about this. Don't think for a minute that the SEC and the Big Ten are gonna ignore them and let the other one have them. The best thing FSU's got for them, and, and again, I saw a stat. FSU gets more oh, over a 10-year period. I think it was 10 years. Maybe it was five years. FSU gets more eyes on their tele, on their football games. They're fifth in the nation in eyes on their games. I don't know what that metric is, but f- they're, they're fifth in terms, of, in terms of ratings for their games that they play in. 
and it's hard because you gotta you gotta extrapolate the ratings, you know, when they're not in a game, when they, it's all the games that they played in, or people watching them, or they watching the other team, the whole bit. But anyway, nonetheless, nonetheless, the SEC may say they don't want FSU, but you know what they don't want? They don't want the Big Ten coming to get them. And if and if FSU means however many millions of eyeballs that are going to the Big Ten and not to the SEC, that's going to bother the SEC. The SEC beat the, the Big Ten would have loved Texas and Oklahoma. They went and got Nebraska, which is in the same region, and they would have loved Texas and Oklahoma, and the SEC beat them to the punch. Or rather, Texas and Oklahoma said, no, if we can have either one, of course we want the SEC. So that's what, that's what Texas and Oklahoma did. Don't think, I, I don't think for a minute, for a minute, that the SEC and the Big Ten, if, if the other one didn't exist at the same dollars, then they might not care. But because the F, because the Big Ten, you see where I'm going with this? Because mm-hmm. the Big Ten exists, the SEC may go take FSU. It, assuming FSU wins this and gets through the uh, the grant of rights, and they and they they somehow settle with the ACC and can leave. When that when that ha- if and when that happens, if we get there, don't think for a minute that the SEC is not going to say, do we really want the Big Ten to get them to come into our footprint uh, with the team that gets a lot of eyeballs? With a team that might be in the national championship hunt for a lot of years, do do we? I'm telling you, they the Big Ten doesn't want the SEC to get them, and the SEC doesn't want the Big Ten to get them. That's why. Don't think for a minute. Well, there's nowhere to go because neither conference wants them. That's not true because of leveraging against the other guy. I'm telling you. I don't think they. I don't think FSU would be fighting this hard to get out unless they had had some sort of conversations with one or both of the leagues, saying right. once the divorce is finalized, we'll right. be we'll be yeah. interested. By the way, you brought up academics. I didn't know this until reading Andrea Adelson and David Hale's column today. Florida State President Richard McCullough arrived in 2021 from Harvard, and he's been working hard for admission to the AAU, which is obviously very yeah. valued by the Big Ten. So. Whereas I brought that up as, as how could FSU join the Big Ten if they're not an AAU school? Well, they're already working on that process, which which leads me to believe I think the FSU wants or I think FSU wants to be in the Big Ten, and I think the Big Ten is probably where they end up landing, just because of the fact that I think Florida desperately does not want Florida State in yeah. the SEC. Yeah, make yeah, but Florida would have no say in that. It's a dollar. It's dollars and cents. The Florida is a really good public institution. Florida is one of the best four or five public institutions in the country. It, it, I mean, there. I mean, it's, Virginia's probably Virginia, Cal, uh, or high, in terms of public, Virginia, Cal, uh, are way up there. Maybe North Carolina, but Florida's right there. Florida's one of the most esteemed public institutions in the country. So Florida's Michigan very, is another one. And Michigan, right? So Florida's very proud of that. Florida's very proud of its standing in the AAU for the longest time. The only AAU schools in the SEC were Florida and Vanderbilt. I don't know if that's still true, but for the longest time it was true. I think true. Texas once it joins. Okay, so but. Having said all that, FSU is a very good school. It, it's not like Florida's great and Virginia's elite, and and Cal and Texas are elite, and Florida State's not a very good. Public. Florida State's a very highly highly regarded academic school, not as highly as the other ones yet. And that's to your point. That's what the president's trying to get done. Yep. So they're not going to the Big Ten's not going to say, "Gosh, we'd love to have all those TV eyes on football, but we're not going to take them because they're not good enough academically." They may not be as good as North Carolina, and Virginia academically. But, that, but that's not going to be a dissuader, I'm telling you. It's but not. Also, isn't the Big Ten an easier path to the national championship than the SEC? Yeah, only because everything is. E- everywhere is. I mean, the Big Ten has good teams, but not like but the But it's top-heavy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. And so it's the second-best league. But, but, but again, the SEC and Big Ten, to your point about FSU must know it's going to have a landing spot if mm-hmm. it leaves. Well, I'll tell you this. 
Right. If you t- take out the teams that are in the Big Ten and the and the SEC now, which means you got to take out Texas, Oklahoma, USC, and UCLA because they're all in there now. So so the the SEC is going to have sixteen. The Big Ten is going to have sixteen, right? Aren't we? Aren't they? I think the Big Ten's up to eighteen. Okay. So 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 let's thirty. It's either thirty two or thirty four teams. All right. So take those thirty two or thirty four off the ballot. All right, you, you with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Big Ten has eight teams. So, so take those thirty-four teams okay. off. Of the remaining, there's a hundred and what? There's hundred and thirty. So the the remaining ninety-six teams. Yeah. Of the remaining ninety-six teams, other than Notre Dame, Florida State is the most attractive one, the most attractive football program that's not already in the SEC or Big Ten. May, may, again, academic. So why do you read it's North Carolina? Well. Or why, I, why do I well, read and, and again, constantly? It's North Carolina yeah. that's the most coveted. Well, uh, North Carolina's got a lot of stuff. They've got the Charlotte television market. They've got a great academic school. They've got one of the best basketball programs in the country. They've got, they've got tons. They're, uh, f- they, they're great at everything, by the way. And North Carolina's one of the best. In that Director's Cup, they finish high. Mm-hmm. So, so there's tons of reasons why to want North Carolina. There's, but I still believe it's eyes on football. I think eyes on football is what's moving the needle here. Texas and Oklahoma – May be great academic schools. They may be. They they have great television markets. They both have Dallas, but SEC already had Dallas. They already had A and M. The the SEC wanted Texas and Oklahoma because of the the heritage and the football eyes that wa- the eyes that watch their football program. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. Do they care about resources? Because obviously Texas and Oklahoma have a ton of resources. Well, they care about that strengthens the. Well, they care about how how many believe. they care about how many people watch your football games, and more people watch your football games if you have those resources. So by you know by extension they care, but but the bottom line is they want football. They want good football more than more than market size, more than market location. They all want good football. That's why Georgia Tech isn't as attractive as everyone said it was once upon a time. Phenomenal right, because the Atlanta market. They get, and, and a phenomenal academic school. Mm-hmm. But so, so I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's naive to suggest that FSU would not be attractive to these two conferences. I don't know. But I'm telling and again, it's because there's two conferences. All right, I want to stay on this t- uh, topic. When we come back, Iris Chauffel is going to jump in. He did a fantastic job on warchant.com. I'm going to ask Ira, what are the chances? I mean, can you win? Can they win this thing? That's the question. Is can they find a way to win this battle? We'll talk about it right after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Yeah, you better watch out. You back better. to more of Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Family owned since 1961, it's Big Chief Tire. We're playing all Christmas music today, and I can't lie. There's an outside chance I might have planned this one for when my buddy Ira Schofield joins us from Tallahassee. Ira, that's just for you, man. I get, that's a little Springsteen just for you, bro. How you doing? It brought, it brought a smile to, my, smile to my face. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> uh, Ira, I thought you did a fantastic job writing about the, uh, what happened, uh, the 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 lawsuit that uh, FSU's Board of Trustees is is brought against the ACC without trying to rehash everything. Uh-oh, did we lose him? Oh, we lost him. Okay, hang on, hang on. We apologize. Uh, his phone dropped. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, hopefully we'll have him back. Okay, so, but he did it. If you have not seen it, the uh, if, if you have not seen it, 
you have to go read warchant.com and see Ira's because he did a fantastic job. Um, so, uh, Ira, are you back now? I think we dropped you there. Yeah, sorry, I don't know what happened there, but yeah. No, no okay, okay, okay. So, so anyway, hey, um, uh, without trying to paraphrase what you said, because I thought you did a great job, big picture, why, FSU is suing the ACC uh, to get out of the grant of rights and to also not have to pay an exit fee. On what grounds, Ira, does FSU believe they've got a case here? Well, you know, I think they're they're throwing a lot of things against the wall, which I, I guess you know attorneys like to do, um, and, and they're going to see what sticks. But but I think the the most the strongest cases I think they have are, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, uh, that you know when you have an agreement where there is uh, damages if if one person leaves, for example, if if uh, you know if you ha- if you entered into a relationship with another uh, person in a business. And you had a maybe a non-compete or some sort of agreement where if if you if you uh, if there's a dissolution of the relationship, this is the damages that either side would get. the The idea with those kinds of uh, relationships are that you you're going to be made whole again, or you're not going to be lost. You're not going to lose anything because the relationship uh, fell apart. Their argument is that this is not that kind of a situation. This is a penalty. Uh, the exit fee. Uh, would be $130 million, which is large enough. Uh, but on top of that, they would, uh, because of the ACC grant of rights, they would owe 13 years of their television rights, which would be another $440 million. So now you're talking about $570 million. And the, so the big argument there is this is not a situation where you're trying to be made whole by Florida State leaving. This is uh, handcuffs. You're trying to make it too punitive for them to leave. So that's one big one. Um, and then there's a bunch of other allegations about mismanagement, uh, not um, you know breach of contract, breach of fiduciary duties in terms of the ACC not doing what it was supposed to do to give Florida State a chance to compete. Uh, really, all the conference schools a chance to compete with these other conferences. So, um, and there and there's several examples of that, but but those are the big picture topics. See, good. Hey, Ira, this is Lauren Brooks. I- because FSU signed the grant of rights not once but twice, do you think that that's yeah. going to to add to the ACC side of the argument? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, and that's something that we've always talked about. One of the things that was kind of a new revelation in this lawsuit, and honestly, I think it's a new uh, viewpoint for Florida State, is when they, when they extended the grant of rights in 2016, they originally signed it in 2013, and when they extended it three years later, they say that that the ACC, and I guess John Swafford at the time as the commissioner, came to the schools and said, listen, we're going to get this TV network, we're going to get the ACC network on cable, but ESPN won't do it for us unless we extend this grant of rights till 2036. And basically your options are go along with this and we'll get the ACC network, or you can leave and then you're going to owe us $240 million for leaving the con. That's what the, 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 uh, the payout would have been at that point. Mm. And so they went along with it. Their point now is as they've gone back, they've sent attorneys up to North Carolina. They've looked at all the documents. They say that nowhere in any of the documents with the ESPN, does it say anything about requiring that grant of rights? So now their position is they think the ACC actually duped them gave them a uh, false premise that they had to sign this grant of rights because ESPN wanted it. Their argument now is they think the ACC did it just because the ACC wanted to lock all these schools in to preserve the ACC. And and so it was a false pretense. So that's their argument on why they shouldn't have uh, extended the grant of rights. And if they didn't extend it, 
the original would, one would be would be expiring in 2027. Ah, so they almost almost feel like they got strong armed, not just duped, but strong armed right. into it, which is inter- correct. Yeah, 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 interesting. All right, all right. So as, as we move further along, this thing's going to take some time, obviously. What is your guess on the listen? FSU is not going anywhere for a couple of years. I think we all know that. But but is the hope that some this thing settles in the next couple of years and they can exit within two years? I mean, what's your guess on if everything went the way they wanted it to go, Ira? What's your guess on that? There's some. There's been some optimism even before this was filed. You know, just talking from people who are involved. Right. Uh, there's been some optimism that they might be out after next season, um, in time for 2025. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. And so. Uh, you know, again, I don't know how realistic that is. There's from talking to people last night as I started doing reporting on this lawsuit that was going to be filed today, and talking to some people. They there's optimism that they think that the that the ACC is going to be um, receptive to negotiating, and and oh. and this isn't going to be a situation where they're just going to basically tell FSU to pound sand and let it wind through the courts. Partly because I think you know how many none of these schools and none of these TV partners really want to go through a lawsuit. Right. Um, you know, it's just the, the discovery. There's a lot of financial information that would come out that they probably don't want to have out. Um, so I think their feeling is, you know, and, and you've seen some statements today already from other people in the conference, other schools in the conference, who are who at least are representing publicly that they're a little bit tired of Florida State anyway. Right. And so, uh, and one other thing that came out of the their 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 research into the documents up in North Carolina was. That the ESPN multimedia agreement doesn't actually call for these 15 schools to be in the conference. They just call for the ACC to have 15 schools. So theoretically, if Florida State left and they've added these three other schools, which they just did with SMU, Cal, and Stanford, then it doesn't really hurt the ACC. So there's a belief on the FSU side, and I don't know if it's overly optimistic or not, but they believe that that the ACC is going to be willing to at least um, at some point in the near future uh, really negotiate and figure out how, how how this can happen. That's interesting because my next question was, who's with them and who's against them? At one point, there were seven schools that felt the same way. Uh, it, does does anyone want to come with them to leave? Is it right. is it just an FSU thing? I mean, is Clemson in play? Is North Carolina in play? What what are the fur, the further reaching uh, possibilities here involving other schools, Ira? Yeah, I think the only school that I know of that 100% sure I feel I feel 100% sure is willing to leave and will do it whenever they can is Clemson. Um, everybody else after that is kind of a sliding scale. But when when the when the reports came out earlier this year of the seven schools, you know, I spoke to you know a source at Florida State who said, yeah, they're they're all interested, but how many of them are really going to be willing to make the the plunge? How many of them really are, are going to be willing to take this risk? Florida State. In Clemson, I think feel very confident that they're going to find a home, that it's going to be a better home uh, financially for them. Uh, but I don't know if some of these other schools, you know, you talk about a Virginia Tech, you talk about NC State, um, are they as confident? Um, so I don't think Florida State ever felt like there was going to be this strength in numbers that maybe some people hope there would be. Um, so beyond that, I think it's going to be a lot of schools that are um, maybe will be interested, but I don't know how many of them are going to be willing to make the plunge. I think the most the the most coveted after Florida State, well, along with Florida State and Clemson, are actually North Carolina and Virginia because they're flagship schools in states where the Big Ten and the SEC, neither one has any schools in those states. So I think those are the four schools that are probably the most attractive. Um, but I don't know that whether or not North Carolina or Virginia 
is, is ready to make a move yet. So Clemson's the only one I would think is a sure thing. That's interesting. I tend to agree with you from what I was reading, too. But, Ira, if Florida State had made the college football playoff, do you think this lawsuit happens now, or do you think it happens certainly after the football season, or when do you think it would have happened? Yeah, I think it would have, it would have come in January probably. Uh, you know, you know, they from you know one person told me that they were pretty much ninety percent ready with the lawsuit by the time the season started, oh, wow. but they basically tabled it um, because they just wanted to let the season play out um, and, and and keep the focus on this season. Now, there was no rush once they missed that August deadline. There was no rush to to do anything before next August. So I think the plan was to try to do it early in the next year, but I think they were very frustrated with uh you know the 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 ACC's uh handling of the college football playoff snub I think that they felt like the ACC should have been more proactive you know you had Greg Sankey on ESPN game day politicking for uh the SEC schools you didn't have Jim Phillips doing the same thing and so I, I think there was some frustration there and then also I think they're capitalizing on on the fan disenchantment right now you know that there was there was a lot of uh you know Florida State fans were devastated uh, by what happened and, and being snubbed by the playoff. And this is a, you know, pushing it forward now is a time where it maybe can galvanize some support behind Florida State doing this, where otherwise, you know, you might have had some people who weren't really sure if this is a good idea. Right now, I think the timing is perfect for Florida State fans to really rally around each other after what just happened. That's a great point. You, you, got, you, got, you got ticked off Seminole now all in the, on the same page. It's a really good point just for the, from a timing standpoint. Okay. Uh, let's say it happens. Where do they go? I, I, I'm a big believer. You can talk forever about the Big Ten and blah, blah, blah. I can't imagine it's not the SEC. Uh, I can't. And, and by the way, and, I, and you know, Ira, we've known each other a long time. I'm an SEC guy. I'm as SEC as it comes. But I don't believe for a minute the SEC wants to let FSU land in the Big Ten. I, I think the fact that there's two conferences that could both benefit from all those football eyeballs really works in FSU's favor because neither one wants the other one to get them. What do you think about that, and where do you think they would land if indeed this happens? Yeah, you know, I definitely – I've always thought that that's where they should end up. Um, but I also understand the people in the SEC who, who, who feel like they don't need Florida State or they don't need Clemson. They already have the state of Florida. They already have the state of South Carolina uh, with those schools. So, so I understand the pushback on, on bringing them in. Uh, but I think what's, what's different now than, than has been different in the past is the Big Ten is clearly in expansion mode. The, clear, the, the Big Ten went to California. You know, they, they, they already have the Midwest. They went to California. They've got Penn State on the, you know, they're making this push to the East Coast. They would love to get Virginia, North Carolina. And then if you can get Florida, Florida State, Clemson, maybe a Miami, now you're talking about the Big Ten really becoming this national power conference. And, and and I think their feeling is that the SEC would be more of a regional conference, which the SEC loves. They bragged about that. But it might be different if there's two power conferences and one of them kind of branches the whole country and, 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 and the other one's more regional. So from that standpoint, I could see at that point people in the SEC thinking, okay, we don't really want Florida State and Clemson. It's not our biggest desire to bring them in. But do we really want Michigan recruiting in Florida? Do we really right. want – Ohio State recruiting in, in in our parts of the the South Carolina, what Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, those schools coming into their state to recruit. So, so from that standpoint, it may be a defensive move that the SEC does it. Uh, I think that would be fantastic for Florida State. I think Florida State's a better fit for the SEC. But I will say this: after what just happened in the playoff, 
I think there's more of an appetite now for FSU fans to be okay in the Big Ten, whereas before I think most wanted the SEC. Uh, feeling like they got snubbed, and not just snubbed in general, but snubbed because the, the playoff committee clearly wanted SEC teams in the playoff. Um, I, I think there's at least more of an appetite now to, hey, if it's the Big Ten, that's fine. We just got to be in a better conference. All right. If I was asking you to bet, I mean to bet your best Orioles hat, the one with Boog, <laughs> Brooks, Frank, uh, Eddie Murray, Ripken, Dave McNally, if you were betting your best Orioles cap and you had lost it if you lost a bet, which conference do you think they would land in? I'm too risk-adverse to do that. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, if I had to bet, I, right now I, I, I guess I'd bet the Big Ten. And I wouldn't have said that. Um, I just I'm listening to what the SEC says, and the SEC seems so content to 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 have what they've got. Um, and so right now, I would I, I know the Big Ten I believe is interested, and I think Florida State is is a willing dancing partner partner if the Big Ten's the best option. Uh, I don't know if the SEC is ultimately going to pull the trigger. So if I had to bet, I'd bet on the Big Ten. But uh, I, I'm I'm hoping that it would end up being the SEC. Ira, has this been the longest month of your life? I mean, just earlier in December, Florida State beats Louisville in the ACC championship. Now you're covering the lawsuit, and oh, by the way, there's a bowl game later this month as well. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, no, it's been it's never dull around here. And uh, but uh, hey, I I would be much happier if we were covering one of the playoff games. I I, I still think it's going to take a long time to get past that whole situation, just because of you know what the players and the coaches went through and the fans uh, to have that opportunity and to have it taken away. Um, that still kind of over is an overcast over everything, and I, I'm curious when that goes away because uh, it, it's, it has not gone away yet. Uh, final thing here: they're in all likelihood they're going to get hammered by Georgia because their good players aren't playing, and Georgias are all playing, and Cal Carson <laughs> Beck's playing. So when you get beyond, and in fairness to them, there's nothing they can do about that. That's, yeah. that's the way the the, the the that's the luck of the draw. So when that's over. What shape is the program in? Obviously, the good players are all gone now. This is a team that had a lot of those 22- and 23-year-old guys. I mean, a lot of them, and a lot of them are gone. Um, he's had a great recruiting year with high school guys. He'll be very good in the portal again because he's good at it. Yet we sit here right now with no idea who the quarterback's going to be next year. What shape is the program in? What kind of a team do you expect next year, Ira? I think they'll be solid. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be a step back. Uh, what will be interesting is if they can get Cam Ward the quarterback out of Washington State that they're definitely in the mix for. Right. Probably, you know, some people here think that they're the favorite to get him. I would guess if that. They, I would guess that, too. If they do get Kim Ward, I think that changes their approach in the portal. I think they, they're they they're more aggressive, maybe, with whoever ends up going into the portal in, in the spring or the summer um, because you feel like, okay, we've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Let's try to make a run to get – maybe we can make it to the playoff again. This team's not – devoid of talent they have it they're still a solid nucleus but i think what's going to determine how heavy they go in the portal in terms of how high of a like last year i was surprised they went after keon coleman but i think they saw him as an opportunity to push them over the top if you have a cam ward i think that changes your your approach with some of these guys in the portal if they don't get cam ward and say maybe they don't get dj uyungle and they and they don't have great feeling about the quarterback then i think you probably Maybe you save a few uh, tokens mm-hmm. and try to make that run the next year, and so maybe you're a, a seven to five, eight and four team. But I think if if you get Cam Ward, I think there's enough pieces, and they would be aggressive enough to at least make a run, maybe to, to challenge again for the ACC. Great work as always, Irish Ophel from WarChant.com. Great work, my brother. I appreciate it, man. Uh, get some rest. I know this thing's been crazy. We appreciate it. 
Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy right, holidays. Merry Christmas. Irish Ophel, all-time good guy. And, man, does he understand that, doesn't he? he you'll, ne- you'll never hear from anybody that gets it, what they're going through, what FSU goes through, and the knows FSU football better. So we appreciate our friend Irish Ophel from warchant.com. More in a moment. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. Well, it's Christmas time again. Decorations are on by the fire. This is on your playlist because you're not the biggest Tom Petty fan. No, I, mean, I love his song. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know that it would have made I like Petty. Yeah. He's just not a top 10, 15 for me. Yeah. But, uh, and I don't know if, if some of the ones were yesterday had made it. You know, I mean, I mean, gotcha. it would not have made it ahead of Bowie and Bing. Yeah. It would not have made it ahead of Little St. Nick. It yeah. We kind of stole your thunder. No, no. I wanted to, there's plenty of them. There's plenty of them. All right, so today is Frank's Christmas playlist. RJ Saunders is making it happen. Frank Frangie, I'm Lauren Brooks on this Big Chief Tire Friday. Good to see our friends from Big Chief Tire earlier this week. Make sure you get by there when you need tires or any sort of automotive services. All right, so a couple things that I took away from just listening in the past segment to Irish Ophel from Warchant.com. He said that the lawsuit was 90% ready before the season started, but of course they didn't have to do anything since they missed the August deadline. And the other thing that I took away is that they think that the ACC is going to be listening to that some was of the, the money line. Yeah, that was the money line. That the the fact that he thinks rather than get tied up in court forever, that the AC it's ACC that was the the if he if those sources are correct, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line to all this. If the ACC is finally going to say, listen, listen, if you hate us that much and you went out of here that much. Let's figure out what it costs and let's come to an agreement. I mean that that is a that that one I did not expect. I thought the ACC, the other schools would fight them tooth and nail till the very end, and there'd be ugly comments in the media and lawsuits sure. and and that's what I. So to me, hearing that that could happen is a big, big, big part of this. Uh, and again, I, I it's interesting too. Well, let me finish that thought because something else he said that he thinks he'll wind up in the Big Ten. I, uh, I'd i be very surprised. I, I I would be shocked if it's not the SEC if indeed it happens. But back to the point, he also thinks it could happen after after next football season. Mm-hmm. So one more year. And by the way, if you're Florida State, I asked him at the end what the what's the state of the program because my guess is Florida State will be an eight or nine win team next year. Now, that's without knowing who they get in the portal. Do they get Cam Ward? Do they make a run at it again? I just – and, again, the SEC – the ACC does not have – I don't even know who they play in the non-conference other than Florida. But the ACC doesn't have the resistance, obviously, that the SEC does. But I would think there's got to be a – you can't have that many guys leave and not have a step back. I mean, even Alabama and Georgia doesn't have this many 22 and 23s walk out at the same time. Mm-hmm. That, that's why this – decision by the by the 
committee was so damning and damaging is because you knew this was your year with all these 23-year-olds in there. You, you knew so. To answer so, your question, Memphis and Charleston Southern and then at Notre Dame. So since okay. Notre Dame is not technically in the ACC in football. Okay. So Memphis at Notre Dame and Charleston Southern. Okay. So, so really, and I know Clemson goes to Tallahassee. I know Florida goes to Tallahassee. I think they play at Miami. So, so realistically, the only road games that are like legitimately hard are at Notre Dame and let, and how good is Miami, right? I mean, other than that, yeah, they're at SMU. New yeah, the conference. Yeah. I have no idea at Duke. Yeah, no, that's not hard. I would think not hard yeah. now that Mike Elko's gone. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are those are the. That's only, it. That's it. Yeah. That's the only road game. So so yeah. So I, I I would imagine. So we'll see what kind of team they wind up having. To the other point. He does think there's a good chance it's the Big Ten. I can I, I can see that, to his point. Wouldn't the Big Ten love to come down here in SEC country with this big battle between those two leagues? Wouldn't they love to, to, to fly right into the heart of it? And, and, and make no mistake about it, ten, Tallahassee is the heart of SEC country. Tallahassee is what? Uh, two and a half hours from Gainesville. Three, three from Auburn, maybe? Four, four from Auburn, maybe. Uh, five from LSU, very close to Alabama, probably five or six from Athens. I mean, it is in the heart of it, man. You, I, I can tell you this, you can get to all those West schools quicker from Tallahassee than you can from Gainesville. I mean, Gainesville isn't the heart of the SEC as much as Tallahassee. I mean, geographically, Gainesville isn't in the heart of the SEC as much as Tallahassee is. Tallahassee's right in the middle of them, man. I mean, Tallahassee, you can get to more, you can get close, you can get to SEC schools quicker from Tallahassee than you can from Gainesville. Wouldn't the Big Ten love to just swoop right in there, right in the heart? I mean, the heart of it. That's one of the reasons I think they wanted Georgia Tech for all those years. That's in the heart of it too. Mm-hmm. And yet FSU comes with a, a way more, uh, way better football program. Wouldn't that be interesting if they wound up in the Big Ten? I mean, that's what I think. Just because if Florida State many years ago chose the path of least resistance, it is an easier path in the Big Ten than it is in the SEC. Not as easy as it is in the ACC, but certainly easier in the Big Ten than the SEC. And look, the Big Ten, not just do they want their footprint here as far as television markets and viewership, they want to be able to recruit Florida, like Ira said. I mean, giving them the opportunity to recruit against the SEC in SEC country, that's huge for the Big Ten. I mean, that's, I mean it's huge, huge. Huge. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really, really huge. There's, there's no question about that. So – um, interesting stuff, interesting stuff. So we'll see what winds up happening. All right, more, more to get to. Uh, Edgar Thompson's going to join us in a bit. He does a fantastic job covering the Gators for the Orlando Sentinel. Uh, Lauren, I want to ask him, where are they? Where, where, where is Gator fan now? Where, 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 where does he think? I mean, he's a, he's a grizzled, he's a grizzled media guy. Where, do, where does he really think, where does he really think that the program is? Does he think Napier's out in six games? You know, does he think, does he think Napier can turn the corner and people aren't giving him enough a chance? How important is this year? What? What? I mean, Jalen Kimber just went in the went in the portal. You think, wow, that's a senior starter you could have had back. Well, he's terrible. What? What? He ter- I mean, he was terrible. So uh, I'll be interested to see what Edgar thinks about all of that. Yeah, I know Edgar quote tweeted Ernest Graham's tweet about how difficult things were with the University of Florida during the recruiting process and especially here at the end. So he knows. The- that that sentiment is out there that Florida's not exactly the best communicative program as far as Billy Napier and his staff. So, where he thinks the program is overall, I think that'll be really interesting to hear. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. It's very interesting. So, uh, so yeah, we'll so we'll certainly talk to him about that. 
a little bit more. More stuff about FSU, too. Uh, I'll get his thoughts on this. So let's take a break. When we come back, Edgar Thompson jumps in. He's on vacation now, playing a little golf in Virginia. But he's going to join us to talk uh, Gator recruiting, Gator football, where he thinks they are. Again, we're hoping to hear from Bucky Brooks, my buddy on the uh, Jaguar Radio Network, later on in the 5 o'clock hour. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's the National College Football Report, brought to you by the law firm of Woolsey Morecambe on The Frangie Show. Anyway, welcome back to the program. It is the Woolsey Morecambe National College Football Report. Frank Frangie along with Lauren Brooks. My buddy Edgar Thompson does a terrific job covering the Gators for the Orlando Sentinel. He's now in Virginia. How'd you play? How'd you play today? I need details. I, I tell you, terrific job on the Gators, not a terrific job on the golf course. <laughs> my my best friend from high school, Mark Chocolate, just took me to the woodshed. But uh, he's he's always been better than I am. But, so we had a great time, though. A little chilly here. I heard 65 in Jacksonville. Man, I wish we could bring that up here. Lauren just looked it up. She, I said, Edgar played golf in Virginia. She looked it up. She said, it's about 50. Way too cold for me, Edgar, just so you know. So. Four, 45 right now, but it's fine. It's good. You would have had a blast. You would have taken my money, too, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, Edgar, let's um, – um, big picture now from 10,000 feet. Uh, yep. Gator fans are kind of upset. They, they they went from third to 16th, wherever they landed, lost a bunch of recruits. Uh, team looked dysfunctional a bunch during the season. From 10,000 feet, what do you think? Is is Napier okay? Is he the right guy? Is he overmatched? And I'll get into the weeds in a minute. Laura and I both will. But from, from, uh, from the sky down, what do you think of the whole thing? If he inherited the mess that Dan Mullen allegedly left behind, I don't. I don't know that I think it's quite as bad as they said, but there certainly were a lot of issues on the line, and we're seeing those play out the last two years. Then I think Billy Napier deserves time, but and and probably more than even one more year if you want him to usher this recruiting class into any sort of semblance of what it can be, and the last one too. Now that that's my forgiving view of it all right my positive view my my concern is this the in-game coaching is the kind of seems to be a little bit stubbornness about like when he's asked about certain situations like 10 men on the field what do you mean uh lack of discipline when guys are spitting getting personal fouls getting thrown out of games and you have 50 yards of penalties against your rival and lose in the fourth quarter. And he wonders what you're talking about. Asking him about the guys who left the other day. What, who are you talking about? Uh, you lost six top 150 defenders in the last like six weeks. So that kind of stuff just comes off to me as tone deaf. Yeah. Because if he's not seeing what we're seeing, that's the problem. I, I, I mean, I think he is. I hope he is. but. There's a lot to clean up with this program, and he if he's not seeing that, then there's he's got no chance, <laughs> is the reality. But he's got it. He's got to see it, but he just doesn't want to, like, let us know he's seeing it, I guess. I mean, what do you think? I mean, can't he see what everyone else is seeing? <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. Hey, Edgar, this is Lauren Brooks. Thanks for joining us. So do sure. you think that he hires an offensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator since certainly those were two of the biggest issues this season? 
think he needs to. Uh, I don't know where he's going to make the staff openings. Currently, he there's no openings on the staff. He's filled the defensive line position. He's filled the uh, secondary position. Is he going to make any? He said one box at a time, check one box at a time when he was asked about, are you going to make any offensive staff changes? And that's a pretty big box he needs to address. Special teams didn't even come up the other day. It's almost like things have gotten so bad, guys, that we forget that no one's even talking about special teams. Right. They're talking right. about the recruiting. They're talking about Ernest Graham's tweet. They're talking about like what is going on on, you know, is he gonna like get someone in here to help him with play calling so it can free him up to do things like simple things like manage timeouts, right. make sure the right number of people on the field. So I think he needs the help. Whether he again it's a, does he know he needs the help? <laughs> yeah, well, and, I, and I'll say this, too. Uh, back to your point a minute ago. I watch the press conferences, and, and whether it's you or Mark or whoever, I hear him when you ask a question, he knows the answer. He knows what you're asking. He goes, what are you, what, specifically, what are you referring to? That means he's bowed up. I mean, we, you and I both know, Edgar, he knows what you're asking. So, well, so we hope. Yeah, well, he, <laughs> he knows, okay, but he's bowed up. So, but, but that's where I'm going with this. He seems like a good guy the times I've met him, times I've had him on. But I wonder, is the boat up going to affect him becoming militant and not doing things that everyone – does that make that question make sense? You know what I mean. I mean, sometimes when guys get boat up and get militant, well, the hell with it. I'll do it my way and screw the rest of them. Is he that guy or will he be open-minded? What, I know you don't know that answer, but what's your guess on that? Well, that's where I'm coming from. That's yeah. kind of why I came into this maybe yeah. in an unexpected manner because yeah. that's the stuff that strikes me. Does Okay, he knows. Yeah. But does it mean he's willing to change? Right. You might know you got a problem, right? I mean, that's everyone in life. You things you want to change about yourself. Well, is he willing to do it? Is he willing to do something that is he's not going to like? He wants to call plays. I respect that. He had a very good offense at Louisiana, you know, statistically, and they won a lot of games. Well, this isn't Louisiana, and and what he does here, he doesn't have the best. He doesn't have the best talent on the field most games. That's another part of it. When he's at Louisiana, he probably has superiority and talent and depth in a lot of those games. Right. He's not going to ever have that here, especially when you're finishing seventh, eighth in the SEC in recruiting, and number one's Georgia. Number three's Miami, which is on the schedule. I think 11 was LSU. They're on the schedule. 13 was Tennessee. They're on the schedule. A&M's on the schedule. It's like fifth. So you're playing against all these schools. That many of them are ahead of you already. Florida State was number nine. They're ahead of you already, and then they got better recruiting classes. I mean, how do you close the gap that way? Well, that's going to lead me to my next question, Edgar. Talking about closing the gap, he's got four guys coming in as far as the transfer portal is concerned. Do you expect another wave of guys to help this football team next season? I mean, I don't know specific names and guys and all that, but you, he, need, he will, no doubt, get more out of the portal. Uh, he has to, and I think you got to suspect a lot of them are playing in bowl games currently, and maybe some will shake in, out into the spring portal, and he'll make a couple moves there too. He did get Ricky Pierce on the spring portal, and I'll forget a couple years yeah. ago, and that was huge. Uh, that was one of his best portal acquisitions. It wasn't a Louisiana guy, but he uh, had a lot of work to do, man, <laughs> in, in the portal too. It just It just continues. The headwinds are, are strong on every front, really, when you look at what's going on with this program. Edgar Thompson from the Orlando Central covering the Gators. Do you, um, 
Uh, he's obviously on the hot seat. I agree with you. I think he needs a fourth year. But I've now can, what I think is the dysfunction of this season cost him the guaranteed fourth year. You know, you knew he was going to get the third year, but because it looked so uh, out of out, out of kilter, out of sync, Edgar, I think that cost him the fourth year. And now all of a sudden the leash is shortened. How many games does he have to win? Um, I mean, is he if, six and six? Is he fired? Uh, eight and four? He's not. Uh, we know that. Um, where, 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 what's the number if you if you had to guess? I mean, I was saying seven and five, and the football looks pretty good. Uh, that can save you. But yeah. if you're seven and five and you beat, you know, Stanford, Mississippi State, uh, you know, Texas A&M, which you know got a new coach, go down the list. Kentucky, which I don't, I think might be trending downward a bit. You know, this maybe the seven worst teams on the schedule, and you beat them, and then the other five quality top shelf teams: LSU, you know. Uh, Georgia, Florida State, and you get whipped by them. I don't know if seven and five changes you then. I mean, saves you then. Here, here's what has to happen though: the football just needs to look different, yeah. and and the record. Like, we'll worry about the record, but the football needs to look competent. Yeah. It needs to look clean. It needs to look explosive, more explosive. Uh, and the defense just cannot continue just to be reeling year after year after year. Last year, this past season, they gave up more 40-yard passes than any team in the nation. Uh, they barely had, you know, they were almost last in the SEC in sacks. They're just, they're, you're, those are not good areas to be bad at in this game and in the game in this day and age, right? The passing game. Uh, you can't be giving up explosive passes and not pressuring the passer. So there's a lot of things, again, that need to be tightened up. I think if the football looks a lot better, then we'll talk about whatever the win total is. But but you, you have to be competitive. And they were in a lot of these games. So I, I don't want to sit here and make it sound like, oh, my God, they just got blown out in all of the seven losses. Not at all. I mean, they, in fact, blew a few of those games. Right. You could argue fourth and 17 at Missouri, you lose. Arkansas, you know, you miss a field goal, you lose in the swamp. Those are two that stick out. I mean, you're up 12-0 in Florida State. And, and, and then you get beat. So they, they had opportunities. They need to have those. They need to close a couple of those. But the football, you just can't have the chaos, the constant, you know, two threes on the field. It started there. Yeah. The first play of the season, Frank, on defense, they give up a 70-yard touchdown. Right. And by then, and they had three red zone um, procedural calls, and it was three points on two trips to the red zone, the first two of the game. That was the that set the tone for what we saw mostly all season. And then on special teams, the two number three guys, and all that. So it was. It started at the beginning. It never really improved a whole lot as it went. All right, Edgar, I want to talk about the quarterbacks. We know Graham Mertz is coming back, and then, of course, five-star DJ Lagway enters the quarterback room. How do you expect that quarterback rotation to go, or do you just expect it to be Mertz and Lagway is on the bench? Oh, I expect Lagway to get integrated into the system. I mean, you have to. First off, he's con- you, you want him hitting the portal? Yeah. Then, then Billy, I mean, if, if they're even eight and four, people might be, I, I don't know. Because then who's your quarterback in 2025? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they'll integrate him. I think you can see a Tebow-ish kind of impact. Or, I don't say impact. Tebow, forget that. I mean impact. <laughs> but invol- involvement, right, right. right? I'm not going to put that much on this kid. Um, there's already enough on him. That's right. But he and then like the like Anthony Richardson before he pulled his hamstring at USF, the way Dan Mullen was using him was nice. 
and was going to expand. So let's see what he can do, like bring him in the third, like Dan did with the Anthony the first two games where he wowed us, you know, against uh, Florida Atlantic and USF, uh, you know, third series he would get. So maybe bring a guy, bring him in and just, you know, that kind of a deal where you, you give him taste, but you don't, you know, force him to drink water through a fire hose as a, as a true freshman because very few f- true freshmen, unless they're surrounded by superlative talent, like Bryce Young, for example. And Bryce Young was the number one pick in the draft, but he had Jameson Williams. He had Mechie. He had a great running game, I mean, you know, and, and the best coach of all time. So you, that doesn't happen often. Edgar Thompson checking in uh, from the Orlando Sentinel. Great work as always. And by the way, let me tell you this. Edgar drove all the way up to Virginia yesterday, played golf in 40-degree weather, and still gave us mm-hmm. about 15 minutes. Edgar, you're the best, buddy. Thanks for doing that. Enjoy your trip up there, man. We sure appreciate it. Have a great Christmas. Yeah, you guys too, and happy to do it anytime. All right. See you. Ed- Edgar Thompson checking in from the Orlando Sentinel. Does a really good job covering that program. I mean, he really – a very objective journalist that's been in this business a long, long time. He really is. Yeah, he does a great job. It's always good to see him at SEC Media Days. I'm starting to wonder, would Florida have been better off with Dan Mullen still as the head coach? Well, you know, that thing was so weird, Lauren, is, is the, the book on him was that he lost interest. Who, only Dan knows if that's true. Sure. The book on him is he, he, he got a little militant uh, and he lost interest. I, in retrospect, and listen, I was the one that said they need a fresh, a fresh face too. In retrospect, I don't know. If maybe, maybe if you'd have gone and said, listen, you were so good your first two, three years here. This thing's got away from us. Let's all catch our breath. Let's catch our breath and let's let, let's let's get back to who we are and let's get back to being what we were in 2020. Who knows? You you, you never know. Uh, Mullen Mullen will long say that that if he had the facilities they have now, he could have recruited better, would have recruited better, and would have won more. But was he energized enough? Because it's a great question, Lauren. But is he energized enough to push for those facilities? Did he grind hard enough? Did he grind the athletic department and the AD and the boosters to get this done, to build build the big staff? Or was he just kind of relaxing and going through the motions? And, and in fairness to Dan, I don't know which is true, but I do know that's the perception. Perception is that Dan, didn't, Dan was not going to work at it very hard. Whether that's fair or not, that's what people tended to believe. And everyone focused on the recruiting, but now with NIL and the transfer portal, yeah. he wouldn't have had to have Who been knows? nearly as good of a recruiter in order to be successful. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys, especially offensively, would have wanted to play for him. He, and he's certainly a better on-field coach, at least to this point. Yeah, he's an exceptional play caller. But you know what's interesting about Dan Mullen? And I've said this before. He doesn't seem excited about doing it. Dan doesn't strike me as a guy that Dan does, that, that wants a coach again. I don't get the sense that he does. And so, I mean, I, th- I think my guess, and I don't know him at all, but just from afar, my guess is he made you know he made twenty thirty million dollars. Probably got a lot of it in the bank. Florida's still paying him twelve, by the way. Yeah. Florida, Florida gave him six million up front and then a million a year for, and that's not over yet. So he's getting a million a year, not not, not counting what he gets from from ESPN, not counting what else. He's getting a million a year from Florida. That's pretty good. Uh, he may want to watch his kids grow up. He's a good dad. Got a good family. He may want to watch his kids grow up. Play he might like bit. sleep. Yeah, sleep. <laughs> play I golf. doubt Billy Napier is sleeping much these you days. You know, he likes to jet ski or whatever. Yeah, you know, uh, he, wakeboard. Yeah, wakeboard. So he may just be hanging out, and so it's so like not a bad life. I don't know. Not everybody wants to go coach again. You know, and I don't know that he does. So we'll see. We'll take a break. Uh, my friend Bucky Brooks is flying from L.A. to Tampa to do our game with us. I have not yet heard from him. He's going to text me when he hits the ground. So there might be a little bit of a delay. But if not, we'll certainly get him on by next week. I could pro- or the next time we're back in here, I promise you that. Back in a moment. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Back 
to more of Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Family owned since 1961, it's Big Chief Tire. Like Chuck Berry? I do. This is this is one I thought of putting on my list for yesterday. Who love Chuck Berry? The uh, ACC is, by the way, we're waiting. Bucky may not be able to join us, but if not, we'll certainly have him join us in the future. He does a great job talking uh, pro football for sure. This statement from the ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips. I'll read it in entirety. <clears throat> Quote, Florida State's decision to file action against the conference is in direct conflict with their longstanding obligations and is a clear violation of their legal commitments to the other members of the conference. All ACC members, including Florida State, willingly and knowingly re-signed the current grant of rights in 2016, to your point, Lauren, which is wholly enforceable and binding through 2036. Each university has benefited from this agreement, receiving millions of dollars in revenue in either Florida State nor any other institution, has ever challenged its legitimacy. As a league, we are proud of the successes of our student-athletes, and the ACC has won the most NCAA national championships over the past two and a half years, while also achieving the highest graduation success and academic performance rates among all FBS conferences. So it is especially disappointing that FSU would choose to pursue this unprecedented and overreaching approach. We are confident that the grant of rights, which has been honored by all other universities who signed similar agreements, will be affirmed by the courts and the conference's legal counsel will vigorously enforce the agreement in the best interest of the ACC's current and incoming members. I'm not so sure that sounds like someone who's willing to talk. I mean, we thought a minute ago, and Ira was hoping and believing, that, and he does such a good job covering it, that the ACC is willing to sit down and bargain. That doesn't sound like a group that's willing to bargain. It doesn't. Why would the ACC let FSU off the hook? Well, that's just it. Ira's, Ira's premise was uh, some of the schools are tired of FSU. Um, if you don't want to be in here, what the heck, get out. You don't want us. I mean, I mean, I mean, feisty people like me who aren't smart. Well, the hell, you don't want to hit the road. You know, don't let the door hit you. But that's not a very biz- that's not a very business savvy philosophy. Right. Financially, if you're Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, you don't want FSU leaving because they bring a ton of eyeballs like we've talked about. The viewership is incredible for FSU. And so I don't think just because there's maybe some frustrated other members of the conference, I don't think at the end of the day, once cooler heads prevail, I don't think anyone's going to side with FSU on this. So yeah. it it's just fascinating to me, Frank, that FSU is playing in the ACC no matter what in all sports over the next year-ish, right? Like over right. at least the next calendar year. So they're going to have to make it work for at least then. Yeah, it, it, the whole the, the big picture is what winds up happening after the fact. We'll see. All right, let's get back uh, to the big picture. Jags and Bucks on Sunday. Uh, no word about Trevor Lawrence. Um, I'm going to – and by the way, there's no – no. again, I said this at the top of the program. I'll reiterate it now. Anybody tells you that they have inside information is not telling you the truth because there is none. Nobody will know until tomorrow when he takes a concussion test. He can take one per day. If he passes the test, he will get on the plane and he will play for the Jaguars against the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, I saw all the video today of him practicing. Mm-hmm. It looked normal to me. It, it, it certainly doesn't. Now, we'll see what happens after the practice. 
But I would, and, and who knows something. They listed him as questionable yeah, in the th- official injury report. But obviously, you saw the video. Mm-hmm. He certainly and there's no contact. He's just out there going through um, a no contact practice. But I, at this point, would be surprised if he didn't play. Yeah, we've seen him, and again, the concussion is different. But we've seen him had a knee injury. We've seen him had an ankle injury very recently, and he always rises to the occasion. He's never missed a start in high school, college, or pro football. So as long as he can pass the test, he's absolutely playing. The key is obviously, can he pass the test? But the fact that he was able to practice today leads me to believe that he'll be able to pass the test. Yeah, and so so, so we'll see. Um, I, I, I do believe, as most do, that they're probably not going to have Zay Jones, which means even if Trevor plays, it's going to be tough sledding in terms of firing much in the passing game. Yeah, I was surprised. Zay was also listed as questionable, but I would have expected him to be listed as, as out potentially. Yeah, so and, maybe and, and there's que- a chance. That's right. Questionable is a good sign. Absolutely. The, the that's fact a great the, sign for Zay. The fact that he's not listed as out means there's a chance he could play. And they really, he bring Zay Jones brings so much, not just as a good football player, but as a leader, as a guy that calms everybody down, a guy that makes sure everybody gets lined up properly. Uh, he brings an awful lot to the table. So, yeah, on, on many, many fronts, it would be way better that he uh, that he winds up playing. By the way, I uh, I know you probably got this in news and notes. I'm going to steal one of your news and notes. All good. Because that's been on my mind. Can you believe the Dodgers got Yamamoto or however you say it? I can believe it because of the amount God. of money that they seem to be able to spend. And it seems like there is no end to the funds there. They have now spent over a billion dollars on two players between Otani and Yamamoto, uh, the right-hander out of Jap- Japan. I mean, it shouldn't surprise anyone. They they have seemingly an unlimited funds. It seems like they're live, right? It's like live versus the PGA Tour. That's yeah. what it seems like with the Dodgers, that they seem to be live and have this this wealth of funds that no one else has. But it is, uh, it is going to be interesting to see. It feels like if the Dodgers don't win the World Series the next few years, that it was all for naught. Yeah, you know, we've always known – that baseball's got the the financial inequity that is that is so troublesome. Mm-hmm. Right? We we we've all known that, and that's why teams some teams have no chance, and other teams have have too easy of a chance. So, but gosh, it never seems like it was quite this extreme. You know, I mean, this it doesn't. This one, this one is so 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 extreme because they had already acquired Mookie Betts from the Red Sox. They yeah. already have lots of tremendous players. Well, Freddie then Freeman. This, I mean, right, I mean, Freddie Freeman. They got from the Braves. Then they acquired Tyler Glass now from the Rays. Then they got Otani and now Yamamoto as well. Yeah. And, and so to pay him $325 million on top of the money you're already paying $700 million to Otani, mm. it doesn't seem fair. And I understand that Otani deferred a lot of his money. The 680 out of $700 million has been deferred. That's why they're able to continue spending. But it just seems like the commissioner needs to step in and say, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. Yeah, and I, I, why do I get the hunch that they would have spent anyway? You know, I mean, they just have to pay the luxury tax, and uh, something which tells means, me which when means you have nothing, right? When you have all the money, right, uh, w- right. Why do you care if you're paying a tax? The, on lux- something? the luxury tax has no bearing on anything. No, they're just gonna put more money towards the luxury yeah, tax. Yeah. What do they care? No, they I, have unlimited funds. Yeah. So, but, but I, I uh, and again, I, I, I've, I have been one of the ones that says baseball would prefer the Dodgers and the Yankees being good, and I, and I haven't changed my mind on that. But golly, it just seems like. Uh, this one's almost comical a little bit. But you know what? As a, as a fan of a small market team, I'd rather one team hoard them all <laughs> than, a, you know, than a bunch and of rich teams. Spread out. You know, than, than, than four or five rich teams all being great. When was the last small market team to win the World Series? Was it the Royals? The, the Royals. Yeah. The Royals. And, they, and they, they came out of nowhere. Had no, they had no payroll. They won the World Series. 
and then they've been horrendously bad ever since. They they have been one of the worst teams in baseball ever since. So they uh, but they won. They yeah. they, they won. They they, they sh- shocked the world. So, all right, we'll take a break. It uh, doesn't look like we'll have Bucky Brooks, but we'll we will find a way to get Bucky on the air. Um, in the future, I can promise you that. Lauren wraps our program, wraps our week, actually wraps our year with uh, news and notes after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Not our final Christmas song on the playlist. We have one more to go. This, of course, would be the Beach Boys, Little Saint Nick. If you don't like this one, I don't. I there might be something wrong with you, right? I agree. 100. All right, RJ, take it away for the latest with the Jaguars injuries. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. As always, we will start off with the Jaguars for Jacksonville. Six players are listed as questionable for Sunday's contest against Tampa Bay. Christian Braswell, Tyson Campbell, Andre Sisco, Zay Jones, Brenton Strange and Trevor Lawrence are all noted as questionable for the Christmas Eve matchup against the Bucks. Braswell is monitoring a hamstring injury, while Campbell is still nursing a quadricep injury. Cisco still dealing with a growing injury. Zay Jones noted as having a knee-slash-hamstring injury. Brenton Strange with a foot injury. And Trevor Lawrence with the concussion that he suffered last week for the Buccaneers only one player is listed as out for this weekend's contest that being Jakeem Jarrett as he is dealing with a quadricep injury also for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Will Golston with a knee and ankle injury he is listed as questionable also Anton Winfield for the Buccaneers with a calf injury he is also listed as questionable for this Sunday's matchup. And that is your fair and fair injury update. Well done, RJ. Yeah, TJ Reeves broke that news about Anton Winfield and the calf injury on the show earlier. So uh, good information from him. All right, we didn't get to have Pete Prisco on today, but Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles has something amazing coming up. Yeah, Parker Washington, a good young Jaguar who's going to be such a big part. In fact, he's going to start on Sunday once again. He's going to be in-store signing autographs at Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. On Tuesday, January 2nd, right after uh, New Year's Day, from 6 to 7.30. So as uh, kind of our New Year starts, and we're back in the fold, from 6 to 7.30, Parker Washington signing autographs. Advanced tickets are on sale now. Uh, go see uh, the folks at Showtime right now. Call them. Get your advanced ticket. One more time, Parker Washington, going to be a good Jaguar, already off to a good start. He will be in Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. You know where it is, corner of Shad and Phillips Highway, Uh Tuesday, January 2nd, uh, from 6 to 7.30. Advanced tickets on sale now. They always get good guys to sign out of Yeah, absolutely. So certainly that's He's going to be a good be player. He'll be a good player for them. Yeah. I concur. Uh, Frank, I'm sure you know this. This is just the eighth time that the Jaguars and Bucks have played each other. Do you know who leads the series? 
I'm going to say Jags 5-3. 4-3. Yeah, four, this because this will be the eighth time. Yep, you have it exactly correct. The Jaguars lead 4-3. to three. Hopefully that improves on Sunday. And congratulations to Evan Ingram. He won the 2023 Good Guy Award from the Jacksonville Media Contingent. Yeah, yeah, he, he, and he is a really good guy. So, uh, hey, big game coming up. And, look, if they don't have Zay Jones and indications are they may not, they haven't announced he's out. They said questionable, which is a good sign. Oh, boy, is he important then. I mean, if you've got no Christian Kirk and no Zay Jones, uh, you uh, – Evan Ingram's really the only receiver that was on the team last year that plays in the game. Parker Washington wasn't here. Think about it. Cooks wasn't here. Calvin Ridley wasn't here. So the only receiver that's going to play in that game, pass catcher, yeah. like Luke Farrell, I guess, Tim was here. Jones. Yeah, Luke Tim Farrell, Jones yeah. was here. You're right. Tim yeah, Jones. Yeah, a little bit. But, but, but to uh, your Evan Ingram is no, very important. Yeah, yeah, certainly not the yeah, guys that Tim got Jones the most passes. The good point. Uh, one other note about concussion protocol Shane Steichen, Colts head coach, said that Michael Pittman Jr., the wide receiver, has cleared concussion protocol. So if he could clear it with as nasty of a hit as he took, yeah. I feel like that's good news for Trevor as well. Yeah, no question. That was a bad, bad hit. No question at all. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think all the all the good things happen with Trevor, but I'm I'm sure hopeful that he'll be uh, on the field. Looking around the AFC a little bit, the Dolphins are feisty down in Miami. Head coach Mike McDaniel said he gave permission to his players to tell all the members of the media, with all due respect, f off. With all due respect, Tua also also pushed back against the narrative that Tyree Kill is the reason he's having a successful season. Yeah, sometimes uh, I've done it. We've all done it. When you really want to light somebody up, you start it with all due respect. <laughs> I've I've been guilty of that. So uh, so I get it. Good for good for the Dolphins. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin said that George Pickens is a work George Pickens is a work in progress. He will play Saturday, so tomorrow, amid the non-blocking scrutiny. If you missed the play. There was a play where it was an obvious time for Pickens yeah. to block and for Jalen Warren, and he did not do it. And so there's been a lot of talk up there. And that's just one play. Uh, there's been you read enough about it. George Pickens is a tough guy to manage. I mean, he's he's he, he's a wonderful talent. We saw it at Georgia too. There's a reason he wasn't catching 50, 50 60 balls at Georgia. Part of it was injury, but uh, it's a shame that his. I don't want to say he's not not a good character guy. That's not fair. I don't know him. But certainly effort and concentration and being a good teammate, all whatever all those things add up to, uh, he's got some work to do. The Steelers kind of have that reputation for receivers. The receiver, the, the, that's kind of the running joke. The receivers have always tended to be like that. They they have for a team divas. for a team with so few divas mm -hmm. over the years, mm -hmm. receivers tend to be that. Speaking of receivers, in 2012, Calvin Johnson, Megatron, set the NFL single-season record with 1,964 receiving yards. His quarterback was Matthew Stafford. In 2021, Cooper Cup had the second-most receiving yards in a single season with 1,947. His quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Now Puka Nakua needs just 147 yeah. yards in his final two games to set the record for most receiving yards by a rookie in NFL history, and of course, his quarterback Matthew Stafford, fifth round pick. Yeah, boy, is he! If you watch him, <sighs> so what a good. good player! Physical body control. I mean, he, the catch he made last night that they had to they had to make sure it was a catch. They they snapped it quickly when he's fall. Did you see the play? Mm -hmm. He caught it downfield, falling to the ground. Yeah. The the other guy's arm, right. the defensive player's arm is in there, so he caught the ball in his arm. And went to the ground. Such he, concentration. Yeah, he is a really, really good player. I mean, fifth-round draft pick. Yeah, super Really good, good player. Uh, and finally, when it comes to college football, just wrap your thoughts on FSU suing yeah. the ACC over the exit fee in Grain of Right. Yeah, I, I, look, it, it's a big day in college football. FSU seems to think they've got a leg to stand on. Uh, Iris Chauffel, I hope you heard him on the show. If you didn't, go find it on, on demand because it is so good, um, all the details of it. 
Uh, the ACC standing their ground. They say uh, FSU has violated its, its responsibilities as a conference member by bringing up the lawsuit. Uh, this one's going to be interesting. I can tell you that. A few men's basketball notes. Florida just beat Grambling State 96-57, to so certainly a, a better performance for Florida men's basketball offensively. And without Riley Kugel, you would expect Florida to have won that game pretty convincingly, but I thought they played well. Uh, the next game is against Quinnipiac, uh, Saturday, December 30th at 1 p.m. Yeah, and, and then they'll, they'll get to 10-3, and three, and then, then they start the SEC play with Kentucky. Well, welcome right. to the welcome to the yeah. SEC. We start with Kentucky. Yes, who just destroyed Louisville. Uh, UNF did end up losing to Georgia, seventy-eight to sixty. UNF's next game at Miami, Friday, December 29th at six p.m. Seventy-eight to sixty. Close again. again th- that's an SEC team that beat FSU, by the way. That's an SEC team that beat Georgia Tech now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Georgia, seventy-eight sixty for UNF. That's pretty good playing from Matthew Driscoll's team. I mean, that, they they didn't get run out of the gym by any no. stretch there. I agree. Uh, JU lost, we mentioned that earlier in the show, to Purdue 157 last night. The next game is after the break, December 30th. JU plays host to Erskine at 3 p.m. Yeah, yeah Erskine. Erskine. And, 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 and in fairness to— Why is there an E if it's Erskine? <laughs> and in fairness to uh, to JU, Purdue's the best team in the country. Yes. And JU hung around in that game. There were, there were five minutes left in the half. They were hanging around that game. Obviously, the best team in the country is going to beat an, an A-Sun team significantly down the stretch. And FSU plays host to Winthrop tonight, tipping off at 7 p.m., uh, and then they play host to Lipscomb Saturday, December 30th at 4 p.m. One other basketball note for you, going back to Florida. Florida is one of 34 teams in the country with at least three quad two or better wins. At this time last year, Florida had none of those. All right, time now for today's takeaways. Now, today's takeaways, brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is easy. Trevor Lawrence is questionable, and he did practice today, so that I believe is good news. Hopefully he plays on Sunday against the Bucks, because this is one that the Jaguars absolutely need. All right, fair enough. Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet, keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Rick, big day in Tallahassee, yeah. one of the biggest days in college football. What's going to You know by now, everybody knows by now, FSU is suing the ACC. What's going to happen? Oh, man. I have no idea. I mean, this is going to take a very uh, – it's going to be very lengthy. I – I have to believe ESPN and the ACC, they don't want to court. They, they don't want to go to court. They don't want discovery yeah. in all of this because it just feels like it's going to be a scenario where there's so much that could be uncovered. Um, they're never going to get $572 million out of Florida State. Florida State, and, and this is the main part of what they did today, Florida State wants to pay nothing. Right. That's they're right. going to pay their lawyers. They're going for zero. They're going for zero. Right. Right now, the ACC is saying five hundred and seventy-two grand. So, instead of getting to court and going through all this, is it better off? What if Florida State says, "Okay, we'll give you a hundred grand." Yeah, you know what? And I don't know if it'll be a hundred, but a hundred million. But it will. But it'll yeah, hundred million. Yeah, hundred grand. Yeah, I think they would sign up for that. A uh, hundred million. Pr- Rick <clears throat> would pay that for them. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea what the what the price yeah, tag is right. going to be, but it's not going to be five hundred and seventy-two million. What's coming up tonight? Well, yeah. we got all that latest on the Jags. Um, got some interesting stuff I'm going to do tonight as well. Uh, saying goodbye to quite a few people in uh, in 2023. Yep. I usually do that next week, but. Yeah. We're in noon to three with Hack next week, yeah. and uh, I don't want to do that with him, so I'll do that tonight with JJ. So Perfect. that'll be uh, interesting as well. All right, Rick Palou goes into the night.
as we say goodbye, I will tell you this. It's been a, it's been a fun year for all of us, a fun year for the Jaguars. Uh, this time of year, I always tell people to really appreciate what you have. Uh, be thankful, and I know that you are. We all are. Um, if you celebrate Christmas, whatever holiday you celebrate, have a wonderful time. Um, we've had, we have great gigs. We have a great job. We have a great world we live in. And I always end this show um, with my favorite Christmas song, by far my favorite Christmas song. Um, have a great Christmas, everybody. We're so blessed to have each other, you listening, us having you to listen. Our families, our friends. Have a wonderful Christmas. Have a wonderful New Year. We'll see you on the other side. By now in New York City There's snow on the ground And out in California The sun shines falling down And maybe down in Memphis Graceland's all in line And in Atlanta, Georgia There's peace on earth tonight Christmas in Dixie It's snowing in the pines Merry Christmas from Dixie To everyone Kids are out of school There's magic in Motown The city's on the move In Jackson, Mississippi To Charlotte, Carolina And all across the nation it's a peaceful Christmas time Christmas and Dixie It's snowing in the pine Merry Christmas from Dixie To everyone tonight And from Fort Payne, Alabama Thank you.